BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. Stoked to bring you this one with one of the uh, unsung heroes of the sport right now. It's Kevin Morans. We uh, spoke about him with Coop on the podcast saying how gangster it was that he just ripped that whole shot uh in the main event at seattle uh he's been really killing it for the last couple of years but i think this year's like really been a solid year for him and uh i guess i've just been like following the program a little bit and i'm very impressed by what he's put together and to be honest there's a couple of privateers in the 450 class that are just like really really putting in a a solid showing and i guess like making a business out of themselves um and their racing and i think that um it's super cool man there's only a limited amount of factory spots each and every year um but there's 20 gates that need to be filled every main event and 40 uh, gates need to be filled for the night show so we need guys that are able to make cash um that aren't on the big bucks and the big bonus bucks and uh, i think kevin's doing a really great job and not just kevin there's a bunch of other privateers out there as well but um kevin was in town wanted to link for the podcast and i was super stoked to hear about the program that he has put together uh i guess i can relate in a sense i feel like a bit of a privateer podcast you know don't really have like any of the support from the big manufacturers (laughs) uh so Thank you very much for supporting the podcast. You're all legends. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, and if it wasn't for you guys, yeah, I wouldn't be doing the, the stuff that I'm doing. So thank you all. Enjoy this episode with Kevin Morans. This podcast, though, is brought to you by the team at Athletic Greens. And Athletic Greens AG1 is the first port of call for me each and every morning. And in my experience, it is the healthiest habit that you can form that takes under one minute of your day. There are a couple of reasons why I love using AG1. Firstly, doing it habitually every morning sets me on the right path with my health. Not only is it amazing for my body, but mentally I know that before I've done anything else in the morning, I'm already on the path that I want to be on. Secondly, to get the same nutritional benefits by using separate vitamins would not only take a crazy amount of time, but I wouldn't actually be smart enough to source all of the ingredients that AG1 packs into their formula. AG1 is a one scoop formula that you mix with between 8 or 12 ounces of water and you're done. And AG1 has been a part of millions of mornings since 2010. Since using AG1 on a consistent basis, I've noticed a massive change for the better on my overall gut health and digestion. I used to feel bloated after eating big meals and it left me feeling really tired and lethargic. 
I've also noticed a big difference in my energy levels and I seem to be able to maintain a more consistent level throughout the day. On top of that, I can notice a difference in my hair, skin and nails. I think though, maybe the best part about working with the team at Athletic Green so far in 2023 is that it's also been helping a bunch of the Gypsy Gang. I've had a ton of people message me who've started using AG1 after listening to the show and they've all had their own stories of how it's helped them so far. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. That's athleticgreens.com slash gypsytales. We're also brought to you by the team at Manscaped and calling all men. It is time to mind your manholes with Manscaped. Everyone's aware by now that nose hairs are a major turnoff and that's why Manscaped has upgraded to their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 with improved blades and motor. You can feel the power of nasty nose hair annihilation in the palm of your hands. This improved Weed Whacker can now be found in their Performance Package 4.0 for no additional cost. Save money and attack your nose and the ear hairs by going to manscaped.com and using the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off plus free shipping. Now look, as a man that runs a beard, I've really got to be, I guess, uh, very diligent on how I, uh, I treat my nose hair situation because if you're not careful, those nose hairs can just run straight into the mustache, which runs straight into the beard. And from the nose down, uh, you can just be a bit of a hairy beast and look, they're right. It's a turn off. We love the Weed Whacker 1.0, but this thing is a massive upgrade. The Premium Manscaped Weed Whacker 2.0 Nose and ear trimmer uses a powerful 7,000 RPM motor with an improved steel blade system that upgrades the cutting performance from their first generation to better whack your weeds. Plus, this nose and ear trimmer comes with skin safe technology, which helps you reduce nicks, snags, and tugs, which are the worst. Uh, it is a cordless and rechargeable system with a battery that has up to 45 minutes of runtime. Also, the Weed Whacker 2.0 will be in all Manscaped's tool sets, including the Platinum Package 4.0 and the Performance Package 4.0. So no matter what kit you pick, you will receive the new Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear trimmer. Save 20% off with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG.com. We're also brought to you by the guys at rat racing and if you want to own realistically a part of australian motocross history the iconic rat racing it's been bought back uh, and it is at go the rat they've been slowly releasing more and more colorways and shout out to brett metcalf who is their marquee team rider for 2023 probably not a better dude to be running the rat and bringing it back uh if you go on their instagram you'll see some of the awesome colorways that the guys and girls have released to go the rat for 2023 you can own a set of your own by going to go the rat racing.com we're also brought to you by the guys at rival inc design co and we're getting into that new year which means you've probably got some 2023 bikes and what do you do when you get a brand new bike? You get a brand new sticker kit from the guys at Rival Inc. 
They have, in my opinion, some of the highest quality stickers that you can get for a dirt bike. They've got a huge line of uh, different designs for every single bike that you can choose from. A lot of times too, I end up just going on their website, picking out one of their designs, out of my own logos, maybe customizing it a tiny little bit, uh, and the guys are 100 for 100 on a success rate. They smash it every single time. You can check them out at rivalinkdesignco.com or on Instagram, and make sure you use the code GYPSYGANG to get 15% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by the team at Tropical Auto Group. And if you are in the market for a new or used vehicle, then you cannot buy anything without picking up the phone and calling Kyle. Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton stock Ford, Mitsubishi, Kia, Isuzu, and Great Wall. And for the last 12 months, we've been wheeling the new D-Max. If you're looking for a new ute for work and play, I cannot recommend that rig enough. We've driven it from Melbourne to Cape York, uh, and it's safe to say she has passed the test. Head to tropicalautogroup.com.au and make sure you ask for That Kyle. is it for me uh, and the ads. Thank you very much for everybody for listening. Thank you to all our members that are on the membership website. Sweet. We'll, we'll Am just, I cool we'll, in a t-shirt? I brought a pit shirt too, but I figured t-shirt nah, would be a little nah, bit more nah, laid back. Nah, nah. nah you're no, good. KM merch, bro. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just roll straight into it. Kevin Moran's, mate. Welcome to Gypsy Tales. We can just keep the same flow going. I was already enjoying the combo, but um, stoked to have you on the podcast, mate. I uh, I feel like you've um, definitely you've been opening some eyes this year, and I've been following the program for a little bit, and then it's, it's funny. So this is, all right, this is how real hustlers get shit done i just reached out to kevin and was like hey man anytime you want to come do the show you just let me know and he was like hey i'm there next monday like i'll fly in next monday let's do it and i'm like all right i guess we're fucking doing it so uh yeah that that's how you get it done hustle lifestyle privateer lifestyle it's gotta just gotta make shit happen you know oh yeah dude it's nothing but that but no i appreciate you having me on um and yeah i was happy that we we're able to come out and make it happen obviously it's been an exciting couple weekends, uh, pretty solid season thus far. So, well, we'll just keep building and keep growing. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was good timing. And I did message you after you whole shot at the main because I was like, that is impressive. There's not many privateers whole shot in the main event. It was funny. We even spoke about it with Coop on the podcast. I don't know if you heard it. But, yeah, uh, I actually did because I, I, in track walk at Glendale, I stopped him going up the finish line. I was like, hey, thanks for the shout out and Gypsy Tales kind of deal. <laughs> he, uh, laughed, he laughed a little bit. So that was good. Uh, that's funny yeah because like i mean the the gist for those who haven't heard it or what we were saying was there's a big difference between like hoping you get a whole shot and like actually having the nuts to get one because like at the end of the day you're not running chase sexton eli tomac speed so it's like if you get that whole shot in that main event like that's something that you're gonna have to deal with (laughs) Yeah, and that's like so. That's even what I was telling my team when I came back off. Because obviously I was, I was stoked with it. Because especially for the Tank Masters bonus and everything like that, I was obviously bummed with how quickly I made a, a pretty fatal mistake to an extent. But uh, is yeah, just getting out front and even in the first corner. Because like I ride during the week, so like most of the times with Chase. So when he kind of snuck up the inside of me, I was like. I knew I'm man enough to say that I'm not those guys speed yet, you know, hopefully sometime in the future. But, uh, so I was really just kind of going to just let him go. And then I saw that he 
rolled the double and I got the double and I was just like, if it's there, I'm going to go for it. And it ended yeah. up working out and, uh, you know, led that lap because that was the biggest thing for me with that situation. Right. Is like Coop said, like the confidence, just being able to mentally deal with a situation like that. I started fourth in Detroit the weekend before. And yeah. honestly, it was like shit in my pants a little bit. Like I was like kind of freaking out, worried about, Oh, I got Barsha. I got rocks. I got all these dudes behind me. And I just kind of pumped up, flared out. And it didn't go super great, you know what I mean, considering the start that I had. And obviously this one didn't pan out completely, but even to pass Chase back to an extent, go through the whoops, triple, boom, come over the finish line. Like I just took a deep breath over the finish line. I was just like, because I, again, I know those guys are going to get me around me at some point, but it's just trying to take your opportunity that you have like that and try to prove yourself as much as you can. That's the mental state that I was in over the finish line on that situation because I was like, you know, just do what you can with what you have instead of the weekend before where I was like freaking out about everybody behind me. Like it was nice being in front. I was like, I get to take my lines and let's just do this as long as we can kind of deal. Obviously it lasts like a quarter and a half after that, but yeah. you know, it was, it was cool uh, to get that, just the mental shift of that situation. Yeah. yeah Cause there's definitely something different about knowing that you can do that and then actually pulling the trigger and committing to it because the whole shot essentially is just full commitment you've got to go into the full turn like you've got to go into the first turn fully fully committed and and almost irrespective of what other people do like i remember in your vlog you were saying there was one dude next year that kind of shut off on the inside and it's like there's a i guess it's like a hard thing to explain but it's almost like a you're just going for it sort of no matter what there's like a point of no return i guess and uh and it's like to have the confidence to hit that that point of no return and kind of go in there uh yeah definitely it, it takes a lot yeah no and like that that was the cool thing too is like i was stoked with the heat race whole shot because that's the one we were talking about where yeah. I, in the vlog i was like oh um, yeah yeah you know I, it was Craig actually who had the inside on me. So, you know, for people that don't really know, which I'm assuming a lot of people that listen to this podcast know, but even if you don't have the wheel on somebody, you technically still have the position if you're on the inside because you can push them out a little bit. Like obviously, yeah. you know, you don't want to hit them or anything like that, but you can force the issue because you have the better inside position. So he kind of had that on me and he shut down a little bit and I was like sweet dude thanks for that because like if that was me on the inside I probably would have pushed the issue a little bit more but uh you know it is what it is and worked out in my favor and that's the biggest thing for me now too is now that I've had that mental shift uh is once I put myself in another position like that just ride it out as long as you can continue to prove yourself to the teams and everybody who's watching and, you know, because I've obviously been, unfortunately, in a lot of LCQs, but I know how to handle the stress of this is my last chance. Okay, I'm out front. I got people hunting me yeah. down and everything like that. Obviously, it's not Roxen and Tomac that's behind me in the LCQ, but it's a similar level of stress that it it helps me in those situations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, you, it's so hard to race through the pack and gradually work your way from you know 15th to 14th to 13th to 12th like to make that you know start from the bottom and work your way up in this sport is a really really hard thing to do and I mean you know for for love him or hate him but you look at what Vince Brees has been able to do like he was a guy that was a crazy roadblock for a lot of years and he'd get get these great starts 
and it was like over time he just got more and more comfortable running the pace like the speed picked up the like if you've got those kind of starts and you can get up front and it's it's a lot easier it's almost like reverse engineering a good result in a way you know yeah it's a lot easier to go backwards than it is to go forwards <laughs> to, <laughs> to an extent but uh yeah that's that's just kind of the biggest thing for me is you know hopefully continuing to put myself in those positions so I can eventually get an opportunity because like I don't I mean I'm sure we'll get into into it throughout the pod but like privateer life is tough man like when it comes to the way I run my privateer program because I kind of pride myself on probably being one of the uh I mean, there's a lot of hardworking privateers and whatnot, but I just have a lot going on within my program, a lot of different avenues and, you know, yeah. funnels more or less. So it's a lot of work considering, you know, I do all my own bike work during the week. I have to obviously train um, kind of by myself to an extent. I've got a trainer that gives me X, Y, and Z, what I'm supposed to do throughout the week. Um, DW formats, shout out to Drew. But uh, yeah, man, then it comes to the travel, the hotels, like everything's pretty much on me figuring that out for the most part. Um and it's just busy, dude, with all the social media, X, Y, Z, like there's helmet wraps, bike branding, Moran's Mafia. Like there's so many things I have going on with the program that I do think I have a lot of potential if a team, a legitimate team was able to step up and give me an opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about all that stuff. And I mean, it's, I would consider myself a privateer podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, that means we can respect the hustle, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I look at I look at what you guys do, um, and yeah, I can I can relate because it's the same sort of that. If there's a merch drop that comes from Gypsy Tales, that's me. If there's a podcast that you know, that's that's me doing that. So, I mean, I definitely I respect the the hustle that. There's a few of you guys that are really killing it. I think you're right in saying that you're probably one of the the harder working dudes that, you know, the all round uh, kind of package that, that you're putting together. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I definitely I definitely respect what, what you guys have got going on. Yeah, I appreciate that. Like, I don't want to be the one to say that I'm like I would. That's for other people to obviously make their opinion based off my program. But like I do take a lot of pride in it because that's one thing I think that's really helped me. To, to continue to grow right because I even had this question asked to me not too long ago is like you know are you irritated that a team hasn't reached out to you yada 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 and uh you know I just really love what I do I love the business side of it just as yeah. much as I do the racing side of it so it makes it fun to me to get creative with these packages and you know the whole patreon idea where uh Obviously, the monthly subscription to be a part of my program gets you XYZ benefits, you know, giveaways, YCF pit bike, Oakley goggles, signed a Cherubis front number plate. Uh, you get your first and last name on my race bike kind of deal, like getting creative with that to then be able to fully fund my own program because I've been pretty, pretty fortunate enough to be able to do that since I was like 17 years old. So I because I was in a position where I had to or because my parents are like dude we can't we can't afford this kind of deal like we're helping our brother go to college or my brother go to college a little bit and they're like if you really think you can do this you want to do this you gotta get creative and go make it happen and that's what i did yeah so maybe we should just start there well actually before we go there too like right now you are riding really good like when you you look at well when i personally look at you ride, i definitely see a dude like a solid guy on the on the motorcycle that that does look like he belongs there you know like there's definitely there's privateer guys that don't look like that there's a lot of super fast uh 
privateers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't think it's like out of the question at some point, you know, if you keep progressing that, that you can kind of be up in, in that conversation and, and maybe too, like in the next few years with the way that, you know, you're putting together the program that you are, the way that you're riding. I mean, and there's a few guys where it's like maybe the the whole definition of a privateer like sort of evolves a bit and it's quite a profitable thing to be a privateer and teams like the a factory team isn't the be all and end all if that if that makes sense. So yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see where a guy like you that really has some great bike skills, like rides the bike extremely well, puts in the work and, you know, maybe the factory thing doesn't happen but maybe there's like a this intermediary step in the sport that we sort of haven't really seen before you know yeah like i think there's a couple of us that are kind of on that pro that privateer program the grind you know making it work getting different sponsors and stuff like that and yeah that's kind of the position i've been in is i've had um you know a couple i don't really know how to explain it to i guess the viewer besides like dumbing it down in the sense that the way i look at it is you have privateer you have B level ride and you have factory A level ride, right? So I've had select B level rides. So like supported teams, not factory, but like teams reach out and it's been of interest to me. Thankfully, I'm part of the next level racing team, which is like a transport team for privateers. Chris, which is the owner, takes me to the line. So I get my transportation. I have somebody to help me at the races kind of deal. Uh, I do all my own bike work on Friday, get everything ready to go, but then he just helps me, takes me to the line and kind of takes care of putting fuel on the bike and stuff like that on race day. To sacrifice all the creativity that I have when it comes to, not all, mm, some teams would yeah. be kind of interested in helping me, keeping it going and whatnot, but the helmet wraps, the I sell obviously positions and spots on my bike um, for logo placement, the Moran's Mafia, so, you know, names on the bike, XYZ, like certain places that I have to put things Plus, I don't have somebody on top of me telling me what I have to do and what parts I have to run if I don't like them. Yeah. Uh, that's why I've really enjoyed building my own program and just having the freedom and having the fun of the fan interaction, the vlog and everything like that. Yeah. And that, that's I guess that's what I mean with that whole deal is that, you know, maybe the team's isn't the best option to a sense you know like i'm sure yeah if hrc comes and you can't run a helmet wrap and people can't sign your bike then it's like okay fuck it well i'll just i, I think i'll ride for hrc yeah <laughs> but i mean you know like there's even there's even guys at the top level of the sport that have dipped out and done their own thing for the reasons that you just kind of spoke of you know so it's like if there is a way to make racing profitable and have the fun that you have and have the freedom that you've got yeah maybe we enter a bit of a new sort of era in the sport where like there's good money in being a, a privateer dude like i think about like jeff walker too you know he's a he's a dude that obviously doesn't do supercross but man what a solid program that that he has like he does the nationals which is what he wants to do he's got an amazing youtube channel he's got a huge fan base like his stuff looks awesome he he adds this totally different kind of element to anyone else like he's unique in the sport um and then i think logan carnia does a really cool job you do a really good job and it's like that's a it's a cool lifestyle i mean if if you can get the business side of it kind of dialed in and i think that we're entering the stage now with the internet where 
like you can really leverage a lot of the things that you've got going on to this larger audience you know like it's not just limited to the people that come to the stadiums anymore uh it's not just limited <clears throat> to tv time because i guess that's the old model right is it's like all right you need a guy that's going to win for the people that are in the stadium and then that's the guy that's going to be shown on tv and then that's the be all and end all that was the only value add that a supercross racer or a motocross racer had but it's just sort of not the case now yeah like that's the the whole youtube thing because uh, obviously last year i started we or about a year and a half ago uh we started the vlog situation there was obviously like adam uncut there was this was before like bam uh barsha did the bam bam tv thing i think uh so there's only like a few of them right so then when we got in the game we started to have a little bit of success and like this year dude like over half the guys have something out there right so like it is pretty cool to see the differences between what they used to do in the past like you just said like that like Ricky Carmichael and those kinds of guys like that was their staple of where they're going to make their marketing dollars is putting it on the podium and getting that interview it's a little bit different now where like you have the Craig family vlog you have my vlog you have you know bam bam tv and all that stuff that people can do via social media that get to a lot more eyes than what they had in the past yeah no definitely man so where did it all i guess start for you and what's your era that you're in so like who did you grow up racing that's factory now so um i'm obviously from kansas topeka kansas so i grew up pretty close to benny bloss because he's from missouri and austin forkner who's from missouri obviously benny uh he's like three three or four years older than me and so i was always racing like the class under forkner like yeah. I only raced him one time in super mini, I believe at Loretta's every other time he would be one class above me. So like I was racing like, um, Sean Cantrell. I remember racing ends and lopes. Um, man, there's, uh, Mitchell fault. Um, there's a, there's so many guys. Like I could just look at my, you know, the Loretta yeah. lens vault or whatever. Uh, but those are the few that come up to me right off the rip. So like Sexton and, and, um, Forkner were just like a step above me like a year or two year above me kind of deal so that's kind of where I started just did a lot of amateur stuff um because I didn't really start so like a little background on myself right yeah yeah so I'm kind of not not I don't know how to say I won't say naive but like I don't know our sport as well as a lot of other racers because I went through the public high school route I didn't do the whole homeschool route like Austin and those other guys did so we only and so like love my mom my dad my brother to death absolutely would not change anything especially about my past now that it kind of turned me into who i am but mom and dad both had regular jobs to an extent nobody owned a business nobody had a lot of freedom kind of deal uh and we've we were living pretty much paycheck to paycheck throughout my childhood so to try to have colton my brother who's 15 months older than me and me racing and going to school our primary focus was school. So then all we did was Loretta Lens every year. So we mm. didn't do, you know, Mammoth. I've never even been to Mini O's. I've never done any of these other nationals. Like we went through school, wrestled and whatnot through high school or through middle school, played basketball, played football. And then in high school, I just primarily played football all four years. So I did that and then did like arena cross in the off season. So our focus was Loretta Lens only football school until I turned 17 when I graduated. And that was right when, you know, I was like, you know, I want to go. 
graduate a graduate semester so then I could actually take the racing thing serious and yeah the, that's where my parents kind of sat me down I was like yo like we love you you know you're doing good you've had you know five top tens at Loretta's kind of deal out of the seven years um nothing super crazy all from like eighth to tenth seventh to tenth so no like podiums or anything like that so I was always behind that factory-ish group of guys and continuously getting looked over no support anything like that so it required me to get super creative and go business to business pretty much in my hometown to try to get you know sponsorship yeah. dollars just to go to Loretta's and then that's when they yeah got out of high school they sat me down like hey you've kind of already started your little own program if you really want to take this serious it's kind of kind of kind of have to be on you um and I was super cool with that like I was stoked I was like this is going to be a journey kind of deal so you know I just redefined and learned year after year on how to give value to sponsors instead of just going to ask somebody for money like that's the biggest thing with sponsorship is it's got to be a two-way road yeah and a lot of kids in our industry don't really understand that which is wild like love our industry to death but it makes Crazy, my job huh? really yeah well, it makes my job really easy because a lot of kids don't go about it that way um so yeah just showing value finding creative packages creating the vlog and just building pretty much so it's been pretty cool so how old are you now 23 yeah dude so you're you're actually killing like you're in a good spot i reckon like yeah i appreciate that (laughs) it's uh yeah i mean let's just with what you've done already in the sport and and to get to where you are in terms of like getting the sponsors that you've got the youtube stuff the social media stuff like you're running a pretty detailed little business at a super young age and dude let's say you just stop racing tomorrow like a team should hire you (laughs) you know like there's so many teams that struggle to make money and struggle to get sponsors and you know you're like funding yourself to go racing 450 supercross at 23 like (laughs) it's a you know you're you're in a you're in a really good spot that's actually super cool to know no thank you yeah i've actually even had that's why so i additionally which i guess i didn't touch on this so i graduated high school 17 at semester to go start racing and then I went and did, I got my associate's degree just online. So I did online college for two years, graduated with that. And then since then, I've obviously been mainly focused on, on supercross and, or racing in general. Uh, but yeah, like I've had several of the sponsors that I've had in the past be like, yo, like as soon as you're done racing, just let us know kind of deal. And I was like, we'll get there someday, but we're not there yet kind of deal. Super cool, man. Yeah. I think that's, um, it's funny, like when I, I'd sort of did not the same thing. Like my, my whole deal, like I knew I wasn't going to be good at racing. Like I just wasn't like, I'm just like a average rider, you know, but I loved it. And I never wanted to not be around like racing or riding or just like the industry my whole life. Like I looked at the way that my dad worked and he just hated his job so much. And it was like pretty much traumatic for me as a kid to kind of like watch my dad just fucking hate his job. So I was like, all right, I'm just never going to do that. I don't care if I don't have much money. I don't care. I don't care what happens financially as long as I just don't hate my fucking job. And uh, so I was like, well, the way to just not hate my job is to always be around motorcycles because <laughs> I love that shit. And, uh, and yeah, I just kind of, it was funny, you know, like you, a lot of people would be like, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. Maybe you should get a job. Maybe you should do this. And I just kept going from like one thing to it. It was sort of just like this con- it, constant like evolution of of starting new businesses and oh, this 
this like I actually like doing this a little bit more than this and then I got into the videography and then you know that was my thing that I was actually good at and then that got me to the US and then I started the podcast and there's like a lot of videography that is in you know in that and all the documentaries that I did with Red Bull and shit like I was asking questions so it's like the way you can build such a cool career and especially when you're young like I did that from when I was like you said 17 all through my 20s and then it's like I think I started the podcast when I was like 29 or 28 and you know it's like you you learn so much through those years of just like kind of trying to figure it out trying to get creative and I mean it's it's worth I think more than any degree when you've got like that real world experience and yeah like you said to already have people be like oh man we'll give you a job as soon as you as soon as you're done like there's a lot of value in what you're doing yeah thank you for real and like same thing for you like obviously i see the grind with the podcast and everything and like dude the last year and a half you guys have been just blowing up which has been super cool to watch and as far as like what you're saying the whole you know just grind it out do kind of what you want to do have fun with it and be like i guess more or less quote unquote an entrepreneur to an extent um so that's kind of what I got my associates because it's just like, I think it's associates in science or something like that. You can't get like an, a degree in something specific when it's an associate degree, but I took all businesses, all business classes to get it. Yeah. And it, even since a little kid, right? Like I've never had like a real, like normal job. Like, uh, like my buddies and whatnot would work at the pool, the local pool, you know, McDonald's, stuff like that. Like I was, I mowed lawns. So like I would travel yeah, yeah, in my yeah, little pickup yeah, or whatever yeah. and go mow lawns for cash working for myself kind of deal because I mean, it's kind of a creative way, a little thing to, to think about it. But like I could go, which I loved in high school or whatever. Like obviously I'm real world now. I got bills to pay and stuff like that. And a lot of expenses with racing, but it was cool as a kid, not having any bills at home. I could go mow a lawn for an hour and make and make 50 bucks and my boys are at the pool baking in the sun or like working at mcdonald's all day to make 50 bucks and i'm like this is like i just like i really enjoy working for myself or at least having the freedom like i do within my program like i can make packages and just as long as i provide the value to the sponsor yeah it's more consistent for me and it's easier for me to go about life yeah no dude that's funny like i did i did car washing and i did lawns and i used to go the first thing i did through because my dad had a deal with me when i was a kid and i fucking love him for it it basically like we we didn't have a lot like we didn't have new bikes we didn't have any of that sort of shit and uh dad basically said i'll go 50 50 with you in whatever that you bring like if you want a new bike and it's four thousand dollars and you need to bring me two thousand dollars so yeah i would i'd do the first thing i do was the car washing because it was kind of like the easiest i could just get on my bike with a bucket sponge and then i'd like ride my push bike around around town just doing like hey i'm like gonna do this uh car wash package for you blah 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 i can't remember how much money it was and then as soon as i went down and up the street uh like or around the block on the bike with the car wash did all the cars i'd circle back to the house and then i'd be like all right dad i need to pack up the trailer so we'd pack up the mower and the weed whacker in the in the thing and i'd make dad like drive me around the the block and like the same people if someone said no to a car wash i'd sell them a lawnmower and uh and yeah that's how like that's literally how i paid 
for racing as a as a teenager and like oh my goodness it's i I think that there's a there's a certain like entrepreneurial spirit that like some people have you know like and it's it's completely i think sometimes especially in in 2023 it's so overly sexualized in a sense like be an entrepreneur especially in dubai dude like it's fucking out of control like everyone you see that's that's kind of the deal but i mean there is no problem in being a regular getting a regular job and having a career and get like i think that that's probably the whole like entrepreneur thing is probably swayed so much in that that direction where it's almost like people talk down on people that have a regular job there ain't nothing wrong with having a regular job but i there's just something there's like some spirit i think that some people have where it's like you're not going to be anything but a person that works for yourself and like has your own hustle and there's like a fine line dude between like uh someone that has their own gig and like people that are in jail (laughs) you know like that that's that same that same like hustle spirit like it's a it's a blessing and a curse yeah definitely it's like that's that's two parts that i kind of got i think of so you're going to love how I used to pay for my racing as an amateur. I'll tell you that. But like, that's one thing I kind of go back with my brother. My brother graduated, um, from college is a mechanical engineer for, um, I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, something tech or whatever, but he's like building airplanes more or less or manufacturing the parts that they're 3d printed to go into airplanes. So, but that's why I tell him, I was like, yeah, like, dude, I, I work 24 seven pretty much. Like it's always a constant grind. I was like, I respect the fact that you, yes, you make a salary and that salary is what you make, but at four o'clock you get to clock out, turn your brain off and you get to go do whatever you want to do with your buddies, with your girlfriend or anything like that. I was like, I sometimes wish I had that where I could just shut my brain off to not think about what I need to be doing next and this and this and this. So yeah, this is definitely, there's nothing wrong to have an actual career uh, or a normal job per se. But uh, yeah, there's, there's pros and cons to both sides of it yeah dude i i completely agree like i i pretty much have never really had a like a legit job like i probably had a few years where i like i worked for i worked for a honda dealership when i was like first out of school i worked for like a kawasaki dealership and then it was a honda dealership and then i started working for a magazine in australia like a dirt bike magazine and that was like pretty much it but the whole time that i was doing that i was still like my goal like i only did that so i could start my business if that makes sense so it it wasn't like i ever i've never in my life experienced the the just i'm comfortable in this job this is what i want to do i'm getting a good paycheck and then i get to just go home and enjoy it like it's just not that's never been something like in in my existence you know but i sort of i'm like working towards that with the podcast like that would be my my main goal in my life is at some point i just do four podcasts a week and i don't have to think about nothing else that would be epic i just don't i don't know what the fuck it takes to do that (laughs) (laughs) hey we're working for it you know what i mean but so that, that that okay that reminds me so like how you said you were grinding your that's hilarious how you'd go to car washes and if they said no you'd sell them on a uh get in their lawn mode <laughs> yeah. i love it absolutely respect that so when i was we'd go to these amateur nationals right so the only ones we'd ever really go to are like the area qualifiers the regionals and loretta's which is obviously the cream of the crop and yeah. then we would go to freestone every now and again 
but as a kid, like this happened, this started when I was really young, more or less. Right. So <laughs> I don't know why this just shot me back. I would even like take going into the gas station where you have like all your chips and stuff right in front of where you pay and there's like a gap under it. Everybody always drop their change in there. So as a kid, I would go grab a straw and be like fishing change out to get like make my dollars or whatever to get whatever I wanted. So then that transformed into when we go to these races, dude, when you go to an area qualifier regional or Loretta's, every single person on that property is getting a new tire put on their bike. There's a lot of these kids that I won't say are more fortunate, but so let's just say they're more fortunate. Their parents aren't necessarily worried. They have their own businesses. They have a big toter home, so they don't need their pretty much brand new tires that they're taking off to put brand new ones on. So they leave their brand new tires right there with the tire companies. So when I was little, I would literally, this is how I paid for a lot of my racing as throughout uh, my amateur career is I would make like a deal or I'd go up to like Dunlop at Loretta's or I'd go up to, you know, I was mainly on that or Pirelli throughout my career as an amateur. And I would go up and like make deals with them, whether I give them X amount per used tire, or I would just ask them like, Hey, like, are you guys trying to take these home? Are these just free for people to take or whatever and I was literally I remember one time where I at Freestone I walked back into like their back 40 which I don't even think you were able to get to to go dumpster diving to literally picking tires and other (laughs) stuff I could take back home to sell and that's a dude like because I'd take them home sell them for 20 25 30 bucks a pop dude that's you get 100 to 500 to a thousand dollars real quick out of that so it's just finding value and uh in things that you know people take for granted yeah and it's just a yeah i think it's just like a mindset too you know like some people it's just a it's a i guess it's like a way of of thinking and it's funny like i'll sit i'll sit at my desk even when there's not much like i'm doing in a sense like you're kind of just cruising in a like i don't know like it's your gears are turning you're not really doing much and then there's times where i'm like should I just fucking get up and do something else? Like I'm kind of, nothing's really happening. But the other night was like a perfect example of it. I'm just, I was sitting down and um, my chick's on the couch and she's kind of doing her thing. And I'm just like, I'm sort of at that point of like, all right, I'm just going to get up for the day. It's probably like 8.30 at night. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be done for the day. And then I was like, I, I don't have Instagram on my phone. So I've only got it on the desktop. So then I like I was like all right I'll check some messages and then I'll I'll dip. So I go over to Instagram and then I see uh, like a, a video post like a mountain bike thing and I was like oh, I'll watch that and then I was like it was from there's these guys Sleeper Studios. Anyway, so I'm like ah right, these guys make dope shit. So I clicked into their video, started watching the YouTube and I was I was just zoned out watching it and then I was like fuck I need to I'm gonna be in Barcelona in two weeks. Greg Minar lives in in Andorra. So I'm going to reach out and see if like he wants to do the podcast while I'm there. And it's like, it's just, it's hard to explain, but it's like, it's, you, you're always on even when you're off in a sense, or you, you're always just waiting for the next bit of inspiration to, to kind of hit you. And I think that it's just, yeah, there's just something with like a certain personality type or a certain like way of thinking that that lends itself to this sort of lifestyle you know yeah that's like so when I try to shut off like you said like that it's really tough for someone like me to do especially in the heat of supercross season but the biggest thing that 
even when I try to shut my brain off is that it's so hard for people to understand. Cause I have, you know, obviously get a lot of DMS, a lot of messages and you know, some people get irritated when I don't get back to them, which understand. That's why I always say like, yo, if you need something or you want something like, I don't have problem if you like double text me kind of deal. Like, yeah, I yeah. get so many people pulling me in so many different directions that like things get lost. Things just get, get forgotten about, which sucks. But, uh, I lost where I was going with that, but (laughs) (laughs) it is, it is a grind. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's, you got to stay on top of it. You have to be respectful and yeah, man, it's just, it's a constant grind. Well, so I guess like where did the, oh, okay. You got it. Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, finally hit me. So what I was going to say is even when I try to shut off, I can't because I'm constantly thinking since I have my own program, I have pretty much freedom to do not anything and everything with my bike, but there's always that thing of like, what else can I use to help my program or to further myself in life that I could contact a company, get the right contact information, build some kind of package that shows value for them and for me just to put a logo on my bike. You know what I mean? Like that is an endless process. There's endless amount of businesses you could reach out to, to try to work a deal. So like, it's so hard to shut off knowing like, yo, I could put this email together and get some new gym equipment at my house kind of deal. You know what I mean? So like, that's one thing I do with my program is like in the past, like this past year, I worked a deal, uh, for a skid loader. Then I just worked a deal to get the skid loader wrapped. And then I just worked a deal with CMP attachments to get, uh, Dirtworks old hydro bucket, uh, that they use for the, the tracks and everything like that. So then I can use it at my house, obviously putting the money that I made from the pulp MX race last year into building a supercross track at my house because there's nothing at all close to supercross all these different things i'm trying to position myself so when i'm done racing these are all assets of mine more or less that i can use in the future so like cabinets toolboxes skid loader you know all these different things that i i mean i could grab a truck and trailer go use my skid loader and boom i have my own business right there for the rest of time kind of deal so it's just, I don't know. I like to, it's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's so hard to just shut it off. You know what I mean? Man, it's just super cool too. And like, I think at, at 23, dude, it's just so like, that's, you're young to be on this wave, you know, like, and yeah, it's, it's funny. Like even <laughs> you, you think about all the, dude, I saw a guy the other day. So I was riding at the track in Dubai and this is what's crazy when you realize how much money is actually in the fucking world like i was out on the track and there was this dude they rent bikes here and so this guy is just out on the track kind of like not gooning around but like he's not a racer he's not a like he's just an average guy that's come out and rented a bike on like the gnarliest fucking sand track you've ever seen in your life and then i'm like i pull up next to him, he stopped on one of the dunes and i'm like you're good he's like yeah yeah, i'm just tired man and i was like all right sweet and i rode off and this whole time that so i pull up at the track and there's this green uh i don't know if you saw on my story but there was like i was i was standing in front of like this green mercedes and there was like this green amg gt carbon wing on the th- like the thing's like four or five hundred thousand dollar car and it was that dude's car and like i had no idea and like i just walk i'm like riding off for like my last moto and there's just this young dude that's just like walking like he's he's your age maybe like a little bit older and he's just figured out some way to make that much money you know oh my gosh there's a crazy high ceiling out there for people that 
like like you said really want to be creative and think about ways to i mean dude you could in the off season like when there's no supercross you can start that skid loader business in may you know so it's like yeah it's it's really really cool to hear the way that you think about you know racing and and the kind of program that that you can put together because i think so many people put everything on that getting the factory ride and getting the on the podium and it's the be all and end all and even from a sponsorship perspective like you've got that tool company that you work with and you know everyone's like well i want red bull or i want more and it's like hey man there's like a million tool companies out there that it might not be the sexy monster logo that that is uh you know gonna get you the fucking monster chicks at the after party but it's like (laughs) that there's some legitimate businesses out there that you can represent and people can you know like you can make good money out of you know representing and adding value to just like normal companies and there's a lot of them in america yeah and that's like one of the biggest things that people have told me about my programs they're i have certain riders and other people come to me like how do you like get all these outside companies that come in to sponsor you because that's one thing i've also been told by people in the industry is like you can't go outside, outside of the industry yeah, yeah. because all of us are getting hit up by every motocross racer ever kind of deal yeah. so like i've been pretty fortunate obviously tank masters jump on board pretty big the champion tool storage which is something a little bit different too. gree which is an air conditioning company a worldwide air conditioning company jumped on board as well yeah wait, so just like take some yeah, time like, take some time and list them out tell me what the companies are what they do like give them like a proper proper plug like explain those those companies because i think it's really cool to hear from you you know like what you've been able to make happen yeah so well, I'll give the, the biggest plug to Tank Masters because that's what everybody's been talking about, the bonus situation and whatnot. Uh, they're a really great family out of New York. Uh, they deal with removing, replacing, and the environmental side of oil tanks for like energy and whatnot in homes. Yeah. So replacing oil tanks, if something cracks and it, obviously the oil leaks into the ground, the environmental side of things. So they are an awesome family out of there. They don't really stress too much about what they're getting out of, you know, sponsoring me. They just love it. They, they're a family that an entire company that just loves what I have going on the program. They saw it through the vlogs and then they jumped on board kind of deal. That's so uh, sick. Yeah. So that was really cool. Obviously Redline Oil is one of the bigger ones too. That's an oil company within the industry. They jumped on board last year, built a program and had kind of a separate thing from my team with them at some of the races. And then this year was able to incorporate them within our next level racing team, which is our transportation team and kind of get all the other privateers hooked up with Redline oil too. So like that was a really cool kind of combination. Gree, uh, comfort, which is a air conditioning company. That's probably the next biggest one. They've been on board for the last three or four years. Uh, shout out to my man, Sean Yoho, who's a local guy by me. Who's kind of like a dealer for them who made the contacts and the connections to make that happen. And it was actually funny. Like I was in the hotel this weekend for Phoenix and the, uh, air conditioning unit in my hotel was Gree. So I was like, that's, Dude, that's sweet. <laughs> so, um, so that one was really cool. The champion tool storage jumped on big this year too. Barry material handling, which is actually my dad's company. So my dad is a fork, like pork lift technician at Barry material. And so the CEO boss of that, had seen everything that I had going on and like saw the jump from even last year to this or from let's say 2020 to 2021 
or no, 2021 to 2022. They're like, oh, like, what do we need to do to get even further into 2023 kind of deal? I was like, I sat him down. I was like, dude, the biggest thing is I've ran, I'm going to stay on the old model just because the new model's too hard to get my hands on right now. Uh, and I don't know what parts are going to be available for them. And the old bike feels better to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never even ridden the new bike. That's oh, the thing. Really? And that's what I mean. Like, yo, you know, Roger, boys, hook it up. Your boys pulling starts on your guys' bikes. Like, just put me on a, a stock 23. You know what I mean? Yeah, Help yeah, the boy out. But the old bike's ahead. pretty sick. The old bike's good yeah. still. So, and that's why I stayed on it is because I had all the parts for it, right? I yeah, have a little yeah. parts collection. You know, Mika Metals, Flow Motorsports. There's, you know, Race Tech Titanium, there's a bunch of different stuff that's obviously for them. But the biggest thing was suspension had changed, right? So I think the forks overlay, but the shocks yeah, didn't. Yeah. And I always yeah. ran the stock shock. I ran the stock shock for the last three years, all the way through Arena Cross, through the last three years of Supercross. And I've always wanted to try the race or the A kit shock. I just never had the opportunity, never had the funds, never had anything like that. So that was the one thing that I talked to Barry Material about. Huge. Like, difference, this is what eh? I need. Yeah. I was like, this is what I need. I want to get. X amount of eight kit shocks because I need to have one on the practice bike, race bike, and then one to like kind of fluctuate in through there and rotate. And so they jumped on board to help me get that funding. And that's that's been a game changer for me this year. I really think so. So it was yeah. moving from the stock shock to an eight kit shock. It, the biggest thing is just the way it handles in the whoops, right? So I had a lot of teeter totter sensation, which I'm still, I have a lot of way, long way to go, but little backstory on this is when I was going into testing that for the first time I had the stuff that I had um from Supercross last year so my personal best was P15 at the very last round in Salt Lake City so I took that suspension had it resurfaced exact same settings put it on the shelf went through outdoors after outdoors come to test for Supercross I knew I wanted to do this whole shock situation so I had that fresh set of suspension put it on the bike got used to Supercross again and was testing with that and had the A kit shock right there too Went through the whoops at my house, which we I had Dirt Works come out. That's the whole situation for the Pulp MX race. Ended up doing good in that. Put that money directly back into the program for a track in my house because I'm in Kansas. Closest track to me is Raynards, which is in Oklahoma. Four and a half yeah, hour can't drive be there. Doing that. Yeah, four and a half hour drive one way. Like I can't go there for a day and come back. Like I then I have to go there for a week. Then I'm couch surfing or finding somewhere to stay, or I'm in California or Florida couch surfing as well. I was like. We have a little track in our house. And I was like, we did a whole two-part thing. It's actually kind of cool if people want to check it on YouTube, just Kevin Moran's. But we had track build one where right after Supercross, I rented equipment. Everybody came to my house and had uh, the Blaufus family, which is a family back in Kansas, kind of talked me into just getting the process started. Had a couple other people jump on board and we flattened everything that we had. So we took down a, a X amount of trees and pushed a bunch of dirt, just made it flat. So then part two was after outdoors, I hired by uh, Dirtworks to come out and rented all the equipment for them to come out and build with. And then boom, it was a whole construction video of them building the track at my house, which is pretty sweet. So, but anyway, went through the, the whoops, stock suspension, came off, changed it, literally went straight to the whoops, went one lap through the whoops, stomped on my brakes, shut the bike off and screamed out, what the F? I was like, yeah. it's that big of a difference from me going from a stock shock to an eight kit shock production, what I can buy, what is the difference to the factory suspension that I can't even get my hands on? You know what I mean? Like that's the situation that I'm in, which obviously I'm having so much fun in my program that I'm not stressing the factory ride. Like I'm not pissed off at the world. I'm not pissed off at the industry. 
I believe I have a lot of potential and I'm gradually showing that. I would have to say probably haven't shown enough that, you know, Red Bull KTM is coming to sign me. Let's be honest. But I know that I have a lot more potential in me just from a change like that. The change that you've seen for me this year, the mental state that I can have on the starts in racing and everything in general, not necessarily, you know, working to not be scared of the dudes that I'm racing with. And that's clear for me this year, which is super good. So, yeah, I don't know. Very excited. Love what I have going. Think I have a lot of potential and, you know, we'll just kind of keep rolling with it. Man, it's cool that you had that direct experience with changing to an A-kit shock. Like people just, the they don't, like even it's it's funny so we're i was at the track the other day and so i just bought a gas gas 450 here i got so lucky i bought this thing secondhand and it had cone valves forks and the tracks rear shock so like i just had this thing and uh shout out to my boy mark johnson he used to he's an aeo he used to work for uh factory ktm when uh when Dunge was there and like when I was kind of around that whole KTM world and uh he sent me like setting front and rear it's like incredible and uh so I was riding with this this guy Ollie who's like a local dude out here and we were talking about like who should get factory suspension or like a kit and I'm like dude honestly the slower you are like the shitty you are at riding the more you need factory suspension like the, the dudes that are like really 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 good they can kind of like ride around like anything but it actually is that much of a, a difference and like if you can afford it then you should just 100 percent do it because there is like a crazy crazy difference but for you dude like going through the the thing with the ktm shocks for like the people that would listen that would want to know what the difference is like the just the level at which the shock heats up like the oil in the shock heats up in a stock shock riding a supercross track for 20 laps is just out of control like you almost have no rebound or like i mean you still have compression from the spring but the biggest thing you lose is like rebound essentially because when the shock's coming out the oil's so thin and hot that it just doesn't have the same viscosity so it's like the the level of stoke that you would have had by going to a normal shock not not just for the handling but even the fact that your bike would have stayed rideable for 20 laps yeah like through the whoops was the biggest thing that I was struggling with. And, you know, I got to give a plug to Decker suspension out of Kansas City. He's the one that, you know, helped me make that transition uh, because I was running race tech stuff last year and they don't really deal with the A-kit shocks a, a bunch. So that's why we made the transition to going to WP settings, which obviously I think would help me a little bit more when it comes to my, well, at least at the beginning of the year, my hopes of getting some support through KTM, like obviously not riding their bike or anything like that. But I was like, you know, KTM, stock KTM, the whole image behind them is ready to race, right? Like yeah. that's their saying. Your boy is the spitting image of that because yeah. the bike is the exact same way I bought it. It's got a recluse clutch, FMF pipe. It's got red line oil in it. And that's it. Like that's literally all that's done to my bike and, uh, and VP race fuel. So yeah. that's the only thing that I've done. So I was expecting, you know, like, hey, if we can go out show that we can get up front, at least do better main events all year and everything like that. If they would give me some kind of parts allowance or, you know, some support here and there, but it's been pretty much nothing so far, but Hey, you know, we're still striving for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think whole shot in mains and, uh, you know, kind of like just, it's all visibility, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll let's keep let's keep going into the program because I think it's like super interesting. So I guess where did you start to I guess like get momentum with it or what were your first ideas of like okay this is what I'm gonna do so the biggest I'll I'll just go through my my experience right so here's for the privateers the people trying to make it happen key in right now so I started out going business to business asking for a check to help me go racing kind of deal you get told no a lot more than you get told yes to an extent Um, so you had to deal with you know getting 20 no's to one yes but that one yes could be the difference that you need um so from there that was more or less a lot of kids in our industry do this where you're just going to ask for money kind of deal that's kind of where i was at at the beginning and got told no a lot transitioned into hey if you give me x amount i'll do this for you and that changed the game right there showing some value trying to give something back so it's not a one-way road a lot more yeses at that point so then it got to the point where I was doing jersey logo placement, bike logo placement at a monthly rate or something like that. And I had people commit to it. And I don't want to be the guy that if you're supposed to pay me $200 a month or something like that, whatever the price was for something back then, you pay one month, beautiful. You pay the next month, next month beautiful. Thank you. Third month rolls around. You're not sending nothing. I don't want to have to be the guy that's like, yo, are you going to send it this month kind of deal? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of got tired of that situation. So then I referred to either the payment up front or I was like, let's start a Patreon kind of deal, right? So that's it was kind of a, a mixed signal there. So that was one of the issues I was having is getting people that were committing to doing a monthly deal because they didn't want to do a lump sum to paying consistently. And then times that by in 2021 when i did a hybrid 250 and 450 year i crashed in atlanta and got life flighted so they're just worried about my lungs everything like that I ended up walking out the next day at the hospital with just a couple broke like a bruised lung couple broken ribs but i was off the bike for three quarters of outdoors so from yeah. the end of supercross three quarters outdoors as a supercross racer, as a motocross racer, somebody in our industry, as a privateer, you don't have a team backing you. You don't have a salary. You don't have anybody that's there that you have contracted money coming in. So I sat there for six months with nothing coming in to an extent. Like I had some good sponsors that still had my back. They helped me with certain things and whatnot. But at, luckily at that point, I'm still living with my parents kind of deal. So didn't have any crazy bills. But I was like, this kind of sucks, man. Like how do I, you know, besides get and go home and you know let's go mow some lawns and do some other stuff like entrepreneurship style stuff but if you're hurt and you have to be on the couch what are you doing so that's when i was like i need to find a way that i can have a monthly subscription service that it's like just charges their card like you pay for your apple account or something like that and how can i get people involved that don't have a business right there's a lot of people around me that just love what i have going on have an extra 20 bucks extra 100 bucks here they don't have a business or a logo that they want to put behind it, but that's kind of a tough little gap to fill. So I was like, how can I create a monthly income for myself while getting fans involved and creating some kind of experience, right? Cause it's a lot easier to go after people that want to support your program. If you can give them a different experience. So mm. that's what I thought was really cool. It was like Patreon's the move. That's cause I heard, you know, certain podcasts, people doing that. And I think somebody had maybe done it in the past, but I had never really seen it brought into the moto industry so then i just started building it i 
put the whole idea together, posted it up, was super stoked. I'm like, dude, I'm going to have a thousand people join this thing in a week. Like still to this day, I think I ha- I fluctuate in between like 115 to like 130 Patreons. Yeah. So it's like not yeah. a ton, right? Yeah. But obviously I have different levels, which KevinMorans.com hit joins Moran's, Moran's Mafia tab or the Moran's Mafia tab to check it out. However, you know, you can get in at $5 is the lowest cost right now. And that gets you, you know, the behind the scenes content entered in certain giveaways, XYZ. We have a YCF pit bike that we're giving away that you can which has changed from last year to this year, that last year you could only get entries for that if you're a part of the Moran's Mafia. This year, you can get you get pretty much two times entries if you're a part of the Moran's Mafia, or you can go do a $10 program donation via the website, kevinmorans.com, and that gets you entered for the YCF Pit Bike too. So there's so many different avenues, you know, five to 20 to 45 to 65 to 95. $65 gets your name on my fork tube. $95 a month gets your name on my front fender. $200 a month gets your name bigger on the front fender. And I've got one top tier Patreon, Michelle Halol, shout out to her, uh, which is the biggest spot. It's top tier Patreon, right? So there's trying to create a monthly income was where this whole thing started. And that's where the Patreon idea came from. So stack that on top of the helmet wraps, on top of the bike branding, which those are two different things as well. So I do a different helmet wrap for every round. That's like a different business. Do a little yeah. vlog shout out, have a basic package where you do the helmet wrap, assign the visor, ship you the visor, or you do the VIP wrap. If you're a baller, assign the helmet, you get to keep the helmet after the races. So yeah. it's like a cool marketing piece for businesses that want to help or people that need exposure. Plus it gives them a deck de- or like a cool piece to put on their desk that creates conversations between clients and stuff. That's not just, Hey, will you come buy my products kind of deal. So that's where I've been able to position myself good with Gree is Gree obviously loves what I have going on. They love my exposure, the amount of TV time that I'm getting, which is just honestly kind of ridiculous, at least at the beginning of the year, especially last year through the LCQs and whatnot. Yeah. Not being in the LCQs, you don't get as much TV time. So there's some pros and cons of that, but I'll, yeah. I'll take no LCQs all day. But yeah, Gree's behind it because the the publicity and the things that I do, plus certain people, at least within their industry, they don't want to just talk about air conditioners all day. They want yeah. to be like, hey, did you see Kevin this weekend? Yada, yada, yada. You know, shoot the shit with the boys or their current clients and then selling products, not always being about business. Yeah. So, yeah, man, the helmet wraps, bike branding, different logos for each com- or for each round, the Moran's Mafia, all the social media stuff that I do. And then on top of that, selling space on the bike. So you get this logo, you get this yada, yada, yada. You'll be the first name that's announced when they announce Kevin Moran's on the Tank Masters. KTM gets the whole shot. You know what I mean? Like those different kinds of packages. It's just, it's been a creative process to pretty much set myself up for later in life. Like I'm not necessarily thinking, oh, what do I need to do to get that factory ride? What do I need to do to get this and this and this? I'm trying to set myself up for all my helmet wraps. I like doing product swaps, honestly, more because like, yo, I want to fill toolbox for a helmet wrap because then that's going to be more value for me. I'm technically going to get an asset for cheaper than what I can buy it for. Cause they're going to give it to me at their cost or something like that, or work out a trade deal. And then when I'm done racing, your boy's got a field toolbox to work on all his stuff and toys and whatnot when he's older. So like, yeah. that's the way I look at it is I'm trying to get all the products and everything that I want for when I'm done racing. So then I'm set after racing to an extent. So yeah. I don't know. That, that's like my mindset behind the whole thing on top of YouTube getting the fan interaction, getting the kids involved, just having so much fun with it. 
that it's just it's a fun life it's not i'm not working you know what i mean i just enjoy it yeah and, and you can really see that as well in your vlogs like i watched the um the was it, i think seattle when like page come up and like you know you even got page putting money in and then she signed the the fender and it's just so cool to see like it's a it's a fucking genius idea dude literally like to, <laughs> to you're you're sitting in the pits and you've got people that are just giving you hundred dollar bills to sign your bike <laughs> and it's like they're stoked dude they're super yeah. stoked to to be a part of what you've got going on they get in the vlog and and i think that yeah it just goes to show that that's sort of like what i said before you know like you don't need red bull as a sponsor you don't need monster like you can you can have this really cool engagement with fans and it's like way more of it feels like a grassroots kind of level deal you know yeah i don't know like i i smile every time about it because like i just truly enjoy it and it is it's just it's a different way of going about it I would love an energy drink sponsor, by the way. I'll throw that out there right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like there's nothing that's super corporate about it. Um, the most corporate sponsor I have is probably Gree. And there's a lot of specifics that they look for within the program. But I'm even learning within myself and within my program to adjust it to make it more efficient. Um, you know, providing photos from each round to certain sponsors. Um, there's a lot of different packages, man. And like I could spend the next month straight lock me in this room right here like i would be busy for an entire month on things yeah, that i yeah, can change yeah, and make yeah. better within my program it's just dude i don't have time all the time so yeah and so i guess that was that's sort of probably like a good next place to go is just over time i think that you'll like i start to look at my life in years now like in year blocks like 2023 for me is like this type of year where i'm like all right I know that I've like I've just moved I'll be hopefully in the US all summer and it's like oh, I've got this thing here I've got this to do and then it's like by October like my life's full until October because it's like you said you've got locked me in a room for a month I've got stuff to do like I've got uh, this project this project this project this project I'm working towards this and you just start like it's like clicking off the laps but they're years of building your business and building your these kind of processes and i think that that that's sort of like what i lean on as fulfillment in a sense like in and anytime i'm like kind of bummed in the moment i'm like it's all good you've got a plan stick to the plan and then you know as you those those days are going to pass and then like you'll be in barcelona for this week and then you'll be in the u.s here and then you'll be doing this and then you'll be doing this and i think that that's one cool thing about what you're doing as well is that it's a big project to to undertake and you're going to be busy for years now and you're going to be constantly refining this process constantly you know figuring out more efficient ways to get things done and then the next thing will be like okay the money's rolling good how do i now get to focus more on myself and my racing like i think aj catanzaro is a really good example of this you know like he he's having the best supercross season of his life because he's just grinded super hard on the business end for the last couple of years and it's like he's now got the business to a point where he's got people working people doing the things that you know took him away from racing before so yeah it's, it's a it's a very cool kind of like process orientated uh thing that you're involved with now yeah i have a lot of respect for 
AJ as well. Like he's kind of one of my buddies. I've talked to him, kind of got some ideas and whatnot and bounced some ideas off of him as well. He's probably, I would have to say by far the most at least set up within the industry. That's not like factory or anything like that. Like dude, homies, whatever he had to do to partner with jet and Hunter. That's what I told him when I was at the airport. I was like, whatever you had to do to make that deal happen. I was like marketing genius right there because that is exponential growth from that right there. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing I, I can't obviously take all of his ideas, but I would love to kind of figure out how to incorporate a training side into the Moran's mafia. Uh, but that's, again, that's something that you can need to lock me in a room for a week to figure out kind of deal. So eventually I'll get there with that and the growth. But uh, yeah, man, it's just constantly having something to do and trying to make it work yeah so what's an average week for you look like in in uh in supercross oh man so that's what's tough for me as well is not having which i'm super stoked to have uh the chamber family jack chambers and his whole family um and honestly (laughs) it might be a little bit weird now with the whole sexton thing but i've been riding with sexton and starling and those guys and you know made a deal with them to ride down at their track so then i'm not having to you know rent my own house and everything like that because i'm staying with um uh, the callow family which they came up and rode my track uh during the before the winter because their mechanic Jordan lives close to me back home so he wanted to come back home brought the kids with him they rode at my track instead of doing anything for you know paying me or anything like that we ended up working a deal where I could just come down and stay in like an extra room in Tampa so I've been staying down in Tampa I drove out to uh, Anaheim uh, well I attempted to drive out to Anaheim 15 minutes in my fan transmission went out so that was I don't know if you've seen anything about that but that was a nightmare nah. Yeah, so that was like kind of the coolest thing, at least for when it started, right? So, leave for A1, 15 minutes in the drive, which thank goodness 15 minutes, not 15 hours, because it's a 24-hour drive. Yeah. Uh, and are we all good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds good. Um, so, yeah, 15 minutes in the drive, van transmission goes out. I had never experienced anything like that before. It felt like it just went into neutral to an extent. So, then I called my dad, and I was like, hey, um, I don't know what just happened, but just drive down the road real quick come like we got to tow this thing back so we ended up having a loaner van literally overnight took everything out of my van built up a quick wall and packed everything in there so then i could leave the next day so like there's a whole video on that on youtube too of the whole experience like it blowing up me like videoing like i hope this is not going to make a vlog but if my van just blew up there's going to be a story behind this so we did that whole thing got out to a1 made a story behind it and then right after that since I'm in this other van, I was like, I got four weeks to get this van fixed. Cause I'm coming back home after all these Cali rounds to grid my van. I want my van. Like, you know what I mean? So then it's like crowdsourcing and trying to crowdfund how to replace a transmission. Cause that's six grand right there pretty much. So went through raced a one ended up making the first main event, which was huge for me because last year it took me until round six to make a main event. So to make main event around one, Kev was stoked. I was all about it. So, the whole van situation and everything because as soon as I got out to California before round one I went up to Mumford's to ride because it was raining everywhere in California and pull in this first day one of the first days I was able to ride because of how much rain it goes pull in boom nail goes right through my tire as I stop and pull up next to like Benny and all those like tires going flat and I'm like dude it's just one thing after another I just did so much to get in a different van to get out here and now it's just a shit show to an extent and then that next day, 
uh, rode at Mumford's, cased a jump on top of a rock on my race bike because I'm trying to like break my race bike in. Don't notice it, you know, case, roam, boom, finish up my moto, go to the track. Next day uh, is Friday, so I have to prep my own bike. So I change my oil, change my clutch, get everything ready to go, new graphics. I'm doing everything like that on Friday. But when I go to change my oil and then change my clutch, lean the bike over, lean it up against the stand or whatever on the fork, pop the uh, clutch cover off, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, bro, I caved my frame in on the bottom. It's still the same bike I'm racing no. today. I, yeah. So, like, the frame, uh, yeah, we got video right here. So, the frame is like this. I don't know how, yeah. Frame is like this, right? And then it goes up where the motor is. Yeah. It is like completely mushroomed. Like it, the, the frame is squished on the bottom. And I saw that 4 p.m. on Friday before A1. And I'm like, bro, I can't, there's no way I can swap a motor nah. or just like, I mean, I would have to That's change everything. Yeah, I would have to do. Like I was like, I would have to ride my practice bike. And, but at that point I was like, the practice bike's not really like, I had already just changed the clutch. I changed everything. Like this bike's ready to go. It's 4 PM on Friday. I'm like, bro, I'm racing it. Like I don't, it's still the same bike. I just whole shotted everybody on it. It's just a caved in stock frame. It's just, it is what it is, dude. So that was a whole cool situation, but the crowdsourcing behind that, uh, we did like a Jersey giveaway right after that. And you know, Hey, go grab a prog program donation via the website, which is $10 donation. If you do that right now, you'll get entered not only for the YCF pit bike that we're giving away at the end of the season, Supercross season, because we have that going on all season, but if you do it right now, you'll have a chance to win this signed jersey, and on top of it, we're trying to raise enough funds to pay for this transmission kind of deal. So that went really well. I ended up raising $5,640, and it cost me $4,900 to replace the transmission, and $800 because I had to replace the radiator too. So it came out... 5640 was the amount raised. 5695 is how much it cost me. So That's I was like so and I silly. even made I made a whole video that I was like, dude, thank you guys so much. Like I we were $50 off. You guys paid for it. Thank you so much kind of deal. So it's just getting creative and and giving that experience, right? So Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing is if you're helping somebody, it's just like fantasy football. So obviously football is my second favorite sport. I played football all the way through high school. Love it, right? But is fantasy football just gives me a different perspective on the game perspective yeah, and like yeah. enjoyment for when football season rolls around because I'm invested. I'm like actually like playing with the boys and whatnot. It's a competition or like I'm supporting something. I have somebody to cheer for. If somebody comes on and joins the Patreon, they're supporting somebody they get to watch on TV. So then especially now, like when you're on the gate, everybody's got their eyes on Kev, like, Ooh, what's Kev going to do today? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's cool to have a little bit. You just got to try to give an experience and hopefully people get behind it. And that's, that's how I pay for all of my racing pretty much. Dude, you're so right about that whole like fantasy football deal. I was in, when I was in the States for probably like the first three or four years, I was like, I don't get football, football shit. Like I would compare it to <laughs> rugby back home. I was like, this game sucks. And then it was Nate Ramsey actually got me into a fantasy football league. He was like, oh, wait, just, just get in the, he's like, you won't know anything about it. But, and, and so I had to like, just pick, pick my players, like pick my team each week, fully changed the game for me from then on i was like fully into football and then like even now i can watch i like i learned all the rules i like learned the, the whole kind of deal and uh it actually made me a fan so you're completely right in what you're saying 
Yeah, because like that, the uh, the fantasy football side of things, like I think that helps us with like the the Pulpamax, the RM fantasy stuff, and now MotoBookie is is a new like betting website that's starting to come out too. Within the racing is if you did not have, or let's just say I did not have fantasy. I'm from Kansas, Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs all the yeah, way, yeah. right? Super Bowl champs, what up? But yeah. anyway, <laughs> uh, they it, it allows me to enjoy watching other teams and other players and other things going on. Otherwise, if I didn't have fantasy football, it'd be Chiefs, and then I wouldn't watch anything else, kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. having that intertwined into our industry, right? You got the Tomac fans, the Roxon fans, the Barsha fans, the Sexton Webb that are picking their players, but then you know they want to score some max points. They want to get you know. I think our fantasy or whatever has like the whoever's getting fourteenth, fifteenth, the wild yeah, card. The wild cards, like it, yeah. it gets you it brings attention to more people in our sport than just yep. the top five, which is yep. pretty cool. Yeah, it, it creates like a spread that you're interested in. And because I think that's one of the things that is probably like not needs to change, but it, it one of the things that like a tenth isn't that respected in the sport, you know? And it's like, that's a problem because it's like, that's the best dudes in the world. Like anyone can go. It's one of the unique things about the sport, really. Like anyone can enter into a Supercross race. Like what world championship? Like if you're a baseball player, like you just can't enter the World Series, you know? So it's like, to do you think you're one of the best Supercross races in the world? Okay, dude, roll up to the stadium, like get your points, get your license, roll up to the stadium, pay your entry fee qualify in the top 40 and then you get a shot at the main event like in theory anyone can go and do it and it's like super unique so but what that means is that means that those dudes on that gate on that night are the best guys in the world so if you get a 10th you're the 10th best dude in the world that night if you get a 20th you're the 20th best supercross racer in the world and i think that sometimes that gets lost on like the industry and the fans in a sense so i think that it's cool to because dude like and you see this all the time like if you go to paris on a on a day where there's no factory dudes out there like paris supercross or like an elsinore the fastest dude at the track looks like a g you know he might but then if you put chase sex in there then it looks the conversation starts looking a little bit different but when you don't have the reference of of those top guys like man kevin moran's at at a you know elsinore like that's a bad dude on a on a motorcycle and we're only talking like we're talking a few seconds difference so i think you're right like bringing that uh i guess like highlighting a dude that's getting 14th i mean that's still a bad fucking guy right there trust me uh those lcqs are not fun so uh when you do get to that point and get into those main events literally the top 10 all have championships yeah right now and so whether it's 250 450 yada 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 like it is absolutely insane and even a lot of the guys that are out there that I'm even racing right now, like, dude, they were lapping me last year to an extent. Mm. So, like, that's where the progress or progress for me means so much is because I'm now, I would have to say, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's from the 14 to 18 range, probably. Uh, and 
the amount of potential that I have being probably one of the younger ones in the class and obviously doing probably more than any other privateer that is racing in those main events, not saying most most privateers ever, but there's so much more that I put effort into that takes away from my training, from my riding, from getting better because I just have to do so many things to make my program work that, yeah, like it's, it, I need to stop just like intertwining this back into my program. But yeah, dude, like the a top 15 in, in the main event right now is very legit. Yeah. And so how much riding do you get to do through the week? Like that's what we we're talking about. We got on a tangent there. Your first all, question was, <laughs> was <laughs> what we do on, on a, a week looks like for me. So, uh, that's right. Yeah. That got awful on that, the tangent. Cause I gave you the whole van story, but after I came back from California, drove back, um, and swapped out vans, drove down to Houston, then drove to Tampa. Then now I'm staying with the family that obviously they came and rode at my house, yada, yada, yada. So now I fly out on Thursdays because I have to be there either for Friday morning press. And then also I need to be there in the morning because I do all my own bike work, right? Like I'm not like, I would say actually pretty confidently everybody else on that main event line whether it's their dad or has somebody else there does their bike work for them majority of it at least um and they're not there until 5 p.m working on their bike then making marketing videos then doing a helmet wrap video then doing a you know shout out because i got some plastics because i just took all my own plastics off and put different graphics on but hey moran's mafia if you guys want to come out i got signed plastics for you guys like i'm there all day so i have to fly out on thursday ride Get the bike ready, yada yada yada. Do my marketing, do my videos. That's what Friday looks like. Saturday, obviously the races. Sunday, usually fly home. Sunday afternoon ish, just try to chill. Monday is more of like a probably a cycle stretch, something chill. Tuesday, probably do some riding. And then Wednesday, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday is kind of a mix up. I usually only ride one day a week. Usually it's only a couple motos, nothing super crazy, just kind of keeping the 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 rust off more or less um especially just because of all the things that i do that's what happened to me last year is i just ran myself into a hole to an extent body health wise so it's just such a toll that yeah one day riding a week try to do something semi-active maybe another little cycle or stretch or a little bit of gym work on wednesday boom fly out thursday repeat like it's it's so much dude i don't even know how to explain it so much that i have to do that takes away from not being able to ride two or three days a week, fly in and out, have all my bike work done. Because like, if I want to go ride that one day, like for instance, Monday right now, getting ready to fly back Tuesday, I blew out a couple spokes on my rear wheel. Um, the last day I was riding before I came out to Phoenix. So I'm gonna have to wake up Wednesday morning, take my tire off, put spokes in, put a tire back on, put my bike together, go through my bike before I head to the track on Wednesday, just to go to the track on Wednesday, do some laps, come back. Guess what? Got to wash my own bike. Got to change the oil. Got to do all that. Maybe stretch a little bit. Oh, what do you know? I don't even have my helmet wrap or my graphics or anything else like that put together. So then I got to hop on, stay up till midnight, getting all the emails together, put everything together, get graphics shipped overnight, put everything there. Boom. Fly out Thursday, get there, put everything together, put the helmet wrap together, put my bike, get my bike all set up do the helmet wrap video, do the marketing video, edit them, send them to the guy, post them on Instagram, do some Instagram real stuff from press. Dude, like I could go on for days of just all the little stuff that I do that people don't see behind the scenes. Yeah. Nah, man, I I feel you, bro. So, uh, 
you're doing outdoors as well. Like, have you ever thought about not doing outdoors and trying to like consolidate all of your effort into like a, a good supercross season and then like build you because you're so limited for time it's like just spend all outdoors like training for supercross trying to get better trying to progress like take the steps from like the riding perspective and then do like the the business side of things uh as well like getting all the decks and and then like just fully focusing on that outdoor series or like what's your thoughts around that um i'm definitely behind it so last year um it's going to be a little bit it's going to be kind of the same thing as this year right so i would love to personally i enjoy supercross a lot more than outdoors uh do i still love outdoors yes but it's be being on my own like because i'm actually on my own for outdoors my team is maybe thinking about doing outdoors if they can get enough, you know, outside support plus enough riders to do it. It's more or less just a privateer dude coming in, pay X amount of money, get your stuff transported to each round kind of deal, which works super well for a person like me that has a program like me. But Chris, which is the guy that takes me to the line at every round, he's not doing outdoors. So he'd be sending the trailer uh, and then a truck, somebody else driving it. So I've got to figure out if that driver could maybe help me on the weekend. So then I'm not having to fly a mechanic to each round or like last year, I kind of got the fans involved a little bit, just had different people at each round help me as a mechanic and then filmers and whatnot too. Cause my filmer ended up getting hurt. And so dude, like it's tough. I would love to not have to do outdoors and put that focus in. However, for me this year, since my van whole situation went down, and then my goal this year is to get a new van for next year. It's probably going to have to race so I can make money to pay for that van kind of deal. Um, yeah. Unless there's a sponsor out there that wants me to wrap it in their logos and they give me for the, give me a van kind of deal. Uh, so that's the situation. But I would love to do World Supercross as well. I obviously excel at Supercross. The starts, you know, the I'm a very consistent rider, I would like to think. Um, obviously, I haven't proved that when I'm up top in front and whatnot but that's because that's new territory for me we're getting there we're, we'll figure that on out but uh yeah pretty consistent rider so supercross plays in my favor a little bit more when it comes to the technicality side of things because outdoors all of us growing up anybody not anybody but most people can just rip an outdoor track without having to think about it so the competition's a little bit tougher it's a little bit easy harder to separate yourself and it's way more work way more wear and tear on the bike way more yeah, work the, wear and the tear on the body well. yeah so yeah, I guess a really long answer there. Sorry. But yes, I would love to do that. Don't know if I have the budget and the funding to do it because it's a lot easier for me to go racing and make money than, you know, trying to focus on just the training and making things better when it's just a one man show. Yeah. Um, so that's where a team would play a big part in that or even an outdoor team like that. I would love kind of love that any opportunities there or any opportunities in World Supercross where I can do some outdoors or if I'm a full on the team for world supercross okay let's not do outdoors and worry about world supercross kind of deal but i would also like to maybe try to keep myself in the fight since i'm around that top 20 in points to do the super motocross last three rounds so it's like there's so many different things that i would maybe want to do but at the same time like i don't have any irons in the fire for world supercross i would love to if some team is has an opportunity out there don't have any irons in the fire for outdoors you know as far as like a fill-in ride like that'd be super sick i was actually about to head down to the husky team uh or the husky compound or whatever before i came out here I just ended up not having enough time but like they may need somebody for outdoors so that may be a fill-in situation but you know it's just it's 
going wherever you have an opportunity. And for me, this off season, my goal is to get a new van and make a new van work. So then I'm not having to stress my van shitting out on me again to an extent. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, maybe I can like I, I can probably just at least put you in touch with the World Supercross guys um to see like if there's any opportunities because i think like yeah for me it just seems to make a lot of sense for you to just focus on the supercross stuff because i think just the fact that you're so young as well in the 450 class um and like doing really good with so little in a sense you know like and the fact that you just don't really get to ride that much like there's there probably is like you said a lot on the table when it comes to just the way that you can progress as a as a rider with kind of the right opportunity but it's so hard like it's so hard that's that's such a cart before the horse kind of thing you know like that, that you've got to prove that on your own like yeah the the potential's there and it's like it's it's easy to say same as me like i always say to people like man if i if i could actually sit and do four podcasts a week i'd be fucking chilling you know but it's like okay well you should do that then and i'm like yeah but i gotta do this and then this. <laughs> so it's like that's I, that's just the nature of you know like this game in a sense is like you've no one's gonna no one's just gonna give me a a, a check that would like pay for this 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 and then that's the program sort of sorted so yeah i don't know man maybe the world supercross thing is like a a good option if there's like a, a team out there that yeah needs a needs a solid guy because i i think like if you could if you could really focus on if you had the ability to focus on your off season essentially and you know get the new sponsors and get the you know the van dialed and actually put in the work to get better at riding you know because that was one of the things that um like it sort of stands out to me when you ride is like you actually just look like an athlete as well and it makes sense when you said you did wrestling and played football in, in high school so it's like i think your athleticism is almost like getting you to where you're at now in a sense and it's like there's probably a lot of bike skill and bike time that there's probably a lot that bike time would do in terms of like skill and speed absolutely and like even so another like the biggest thing for me too which you know i love my suspension people as well but i don't have anybody at the races for suspension right so mm. when i literally like i'm sure there's videos of it or i know we have videos of it when i pull in through qualifying i pull in most of the time i grab my screwdriver from the mechanic lay down on the ground adjust the rebound on my forks or whatever like i'm doing and i'm guessed kind of guessing what I think I need to change for suspension stuff. That's one thing like I would even love to, which obviously I, hopefully I'm kind of opening Roger's eyes and some other, the, the people's eyes and whatnot kind of starting in front of their guys here and there, but is just having help with maybe suspension, right? So mm -hmm. like they don't have to do my suspension unless they have time. Obviously they have a lot of people, but as simple as, yo, can you just watch me and give mm -hmm. me some feedback with, with what you think I should do? That's the biggest thing for me at this point, I think, would be a massive help that wouldn't be a, a major burden on anybody is just something like that. So there's just so many different levels to this when it comes to what we can do or what can be done. It's just like you said, just getting in an opportunity and finding the time to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, definitely like the super motocross playoff thing is is interesting too 
like it kind of gives i don't know what the prize money is kind of like all the way down but you know there is some like obviously more prize money there when you say like you can't afford like not to race so what's the income that's going to come for you through the outdoors so the biggest thing for me right so like patreon for an instance yeah yeah there's x amount of people obviously you see the front fender there's a lot of people that are paying to be on the front fender because the bike is racing if i just sit on the couch more or less a lot of those people aren't going to be just paying for a bike to sit in the garage mm. so that is a situation obviously i literally pretty much besides a couple of the product sponsors you know i sell every spot on my motorcycle so yeah x amount for the biggest on the shroud the first announced when you know kevin moran's on the tank masters ktm gets the whole shot kind of deal um you know all the way to the top of the shroud to the little parts of the shroud to the back fender to the front fender to the sides of the fender to literally every part of the dirt bike like there's different paychecks or at least support that's then paying for flights hotels fuel parts entry fees etc so it's just it's being able to continue the business so then you continue making money instead of just yeah, kind of like clipping yeah. it clipping it yeah. to an extent so it's not like it's i can't but it's at the same time it's like it's a lot more beneficial if i just kind of keep pushing through yeah 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 i just wonder i just wonder if there's like there is a happy like kind of medium there you know because I, I know that in uh I guess just in business in general, they call it's like growing pains. You know, it's like you're trying to hit the next level, but it's like you almost need to consolidate your efforts at a point and then like take what you've learned and then go like, all right, I'm going to wait here or not like wait here, but it's like this is what I would really need to do to go into this next season with a bang instead of because like I always say to people, in terms of like my business and what I've got going on is like I feel like I have 10 little fires going and it's like I really need like the for and the fires would be like revenue streams or like ways that of like momentum or results in business and it's like do I do I slow down and make one really big fire and you know or do you just keep going with like these 10 little fires or or what have you got to do does one fire have to go out for a while to get this one bigger to then then it's easy to make you know so it's like this constant kind of balance between these different things that that you've got going on you know and it's like yeah maybe that maybe there is a way to to because I, I think like the with just like your progression every year in in supercross like that's going to be your biggest pay payday really is like that doing well in that supercross season so it's just like i don't know that that to me i'm like for 2024 supercross like that's this that's going to be by far your best year business wise results wise so like in my mind i'm from like the outside looking in i'm like all right what could you do to like really guarantee it's that kind of success in 2024 where like everything gets leveled up from the sponsors the packages the your physical performance your race you know what i mean you get me amped up here man <laughs> i'm not gonna lie uh the biggest thing for me that's the the question mark i think for putting more focus into the 2024 season is i'm not really sure what bike i'm gonna be riding because yeah. i really want to stay on ktm however I've never ridden the 23. 
I'm scared to go to the 23. I don't know why. Obviously, they struggled with it a little bit last year. They've got it figured out this year. Coop's back in the game. I don't know. And I'm just going to be super honest. Like, I'm not getting paid by KTM or anything like that. I don't know what they changed on Coop's bike to make him like it compared to a production bike, which I'm mm. going to be on. You know what I mean? So that's what scares me because I know it. I know the 22. I like the 22. I've got suspension for the 22. So then, like, what do I do? Do I, do I try to stay on my 22s and then make – a little bit more investment maybe the suspension side trying to get a suspension guy to the races kind of deal like i've heard that somebody told me that that's kind of like what weston pike did when he was in his come up kind of deal uh, and so that's like it's it's a very big question mark for me so i don't have like a, a solid direction right like mm. i'd love for roger one of those guys to ian to be like hey kev like i know obviously you're doing pretty good appreciate you always keeping honest with the ktms like i have the last three years you're doing good. You're pulling good starts. You're in the media quite a bit. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you two, three of the new bikes, a little bit of a parts allowance, and that's pretty much it kind of deal. Like, I would be pretty stoked with that to then have the support and then, you know, be able to ask them questions, have that feel the communication where I'm like, yo, I'm struggling a little bit with this. Like, what did you guys do? Like, I don't need your parts that you're not even going to want to give me or I can't even buy if I had all the money in the world kind of deal but like give me some direction on what we need to do to get mm. me as competitive on the new bike as the old bike but I'm I'm Kevin Rands I'm a one-man show to an extent it's so terrifying for me to go then invest in that bike without knowing what I'm going to get into knowing that I have to change so many parts and those parts being so hard to get right now yeah. so that's like the biggest thing for me so yeah, I mean, I really like that thought process and I think at some point it's going to get there. But at the same time, it's super tough for me because like last year I did a lot of one-off events too. Like I raced through outdoors. I did Paris Supercross. I did Red Bull, Red Bull Straight Rhythm, which is kind yeah. of always on my bucket list, which was really cool. So like I had a lot going on on top of building the Supercross track. And then I got, you know, I was on the two-stroke trying to get ready for Red Bull Straight Rhythm, then came back. Then boom, we had Paris and I was planning on doing all of my suspension testing uh, in between straight rhythm and Paris. Boom, got sick as a dog for like two weeks, two and a half weeks, left for Paris without a day on the bike in the last three weeks, just raced Paris with what I had, ended up kind of having a hand injury after that. At that point, it was too cold to even ride the track that I just built at home. Yeah. So then I went out to California to try to get a week and a half out there. It's pouring rain, so I get literally no time on supercross because besides a few days and then those races i did and clearly have just been compounding and building every single weekend so like it seems like that's the biggest move for me right now is like you said getting the program together and dialed a little bit quicker obviously i already have the track built right now like i'll probably have dirtworks come in redo it do a different design or whatever but like the facility is kind of set up at this point last mm. this past year moving into this year was a bunch of building and making things happen so I'm hoping I can reap the rewards of all that effort and work put in this coming year. Yeah. But yeah, the biggest thing for me right now is I just don't know what bike I'm going to be on and all the parts that change. And it's just, it's a tough move. That's why I'm kind of like holding back on the old, the old bike right now. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I struggle to think that changing to new bikes is worth the, is worth it. You know, like I got that, gas gas here and it's a 2021 and it's like it's this old shape that bike won two supercross championships like what change like i personally think that 
there's not really these crazy leaps forward that would drastically impact a lap time on a on a motorcycle i mean ktm has to make a new bike like they can't just keep the 20 they go like all right well yeah we nailed it here they can't just like keep it forever you know like so the cowie the cowie 450 is based off the honda 08 frame basically 2008 like that's a <laughs> that's an old ass motor you know what i mean like that, that was a long a long time ago there's a it's only a certain window that that these bikes and shit can even operate in and it's like yeah efi massive like you cannot race a bike with a carburetor in supercross like that would be fucking dumb and you know like there's suspension you've, you've got to have good suspension like you've got to have good but like as far as an, a new a new bike like if you can do a full build on a 2022 uh ktm and it's like what are you giving up like really you're not giving up anything in in my opinion like if that thing is fresh and it's like built the way that you want to do it like dude look at kenny kenny's the perfect example of this too it's like he's on a suzuki that realistically hasn't changed in a long ass time so it's like i don't know man i wouldn't if i was you like i would not feel the pressure to change to a new platform and like you'd be just putting yourself behind the eight ball massively again to then like you said have to get new suspension have the whole go through that whole process like i don't see that being worth it like what what do you gain on the motorcycle it's scary man and the only thing that i would forfeit i think which i'm not sure what the rule is to race i think the race is you can race a five-year-old bike to an extent but i know ktm wise you can only race a two-year-old bike to get contingency so i would be sacrificing all my contingency mm. but that's not i don't think that's a make or break thing as long as i'm making the main events and i'm doing good otherwise like as long as i'm comfortable but why don't you go to a gas gas and ride the 2023 gas gas not a 2023.5 that is a potential that i've kind of been thinking about as well i don't know maybe we just need to hit up i don't know there, there comes roger as well you know what i mean hey move me over to the gas gas side of things you don't have a whole lot of people on those bikes you know it would be sweet to get some kind of support. I'm not going to stress it. If I don't, I'm going to always make a fine, you know, find a way to make it work. It's the way I've always been. It's the way I'm always going to be. But, uh, you know, it's not like I, I need to get a factory ride at this point. Um, mm. Obviously, we're working to that and eventually we'll get there. But, you know, some sort of support would be sweet considering I'm tr- kind of like been trying to stay loyal to KTM and all those, you know, the Gas Gas Husky, that kind of brand. I'm not scared of going to a different color. Like if there's an opportunity that prevails and brings itself to me, but it's a constant grind. We just got to keep trying to open their eyes. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I reckon 2023 gas gas is the move then just switch over to the, the 450. Keep that way. You Does gas gas do contingency? Like, is it all the same thing? I think they do. Like I know for KTM, like that's what the Cowie guys are always harping on me for because they're making such good money ktm only pays for if you're in the main event so if you don't make the main event you don't get anything so what do you make for what do you make putting a ktm in the main event uh take a guess i'm fuck bro i would have 400 bucks bingo really to get 15th for or 16th to 22nd 400 bucks 450 main event okay 
So what what about the Cowie guys? What are they getting? I think they get three hundred for night show. I think they get like a thousand for main or eight hundred more for a main or something like that, or like thirteen hundred bucks for top fifteen. Damn. Like our changes so KTM right now is twenty second to sixteenth in the main event, it's four hundred bucks. I think fifteenth to like tenth is five hundred bucks. Eleventh place, like getting eleventh place in the four fifty main event, here's five hundred bucks, buddy. You know what I mean? Like as a privateer, like bruh, six more spots or whatever, you're paying your guys fifty grand. You know what Dude, I mean? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So it's I mean, that's why that's why I've had to get so creative with my program. The helmet wraps, the people getting the fans involved, getting them to rally, you know, grabbing the new merch, KevinRans.com. Just little stuff like that, man. It's just, it's because you know, people would probably be pretty disgusted to see the totals that we make. Mm. So what um what about Feld prize money? Like what what's that for you guys? So, so, they, so like what can you walk away with on a night, like a good night of racing? Just from so, Feld and contingency. They changed that a little bit this year, right? The super motocross thing. They were talking about how they're increasing all the pay and everything. I was actually pretty excited to see the pay differences. So they did like almost double what you make for in the 250 class. Like that's why I primarily changed to the 450 class is because I had three top tens in one year. I had a seventh place in the 250 main event. I didn't even, I made $950 total from Feld. That was like two years ago or whatever. I was like, dude, like I could make last place in the LCQ yeah, in the 40 yeah. class and get paid twelve hundred bucks. Like yeah. back then, that's why I was like, dude, like that and getting seventh, top couple top tens. Nobody gave two two shits about that, to be really honest. So I was like, okay, like I, that was the year that I did the hybrid year, and I made my second ever 450 race. I made the main event, and that was like I knocked everybody's shoes off. Like it was such a big deal. I'm like, dude, there's so much more notoriety and like in the 450 class so i was like that's that's where my home is kind of deal you know what i mean i'm good at starts good at being consistent i don't have the funding to build a pc 250 i'd love to ride one you know if they need a fill-in yeah. give your boy a call but yeah. i can't compete with that on top of rebuilding my bike because then i'm having to have a mechanic or the funding and whatnot to do that like dude i'll go buy a stock ktm 450 from letco cycles right off the showroom floor slap a couple parts on it and boom go be competitive you know what i mean yeah yep. so i don't know it's tough what so but what's a what did you make or like what can you make oh that's four, where we're yeah, going my goodness yeah <laughs> that's all so good. dude i go on so much tangent sorry so 400 bucks from ktm yeah that's what oh that's what i was gonna my goodness kevin you're getting off topic so 250 they doubled right 450 went up like 100 or 200 bucks per spot that's about it yeah so okay. last year i think you were able to make 20 i think you got two grand for getting last in the main event this year you get 2200 for last in the main event so and it goes up 50 dollars per spot so if you get i'm pretty sure like if you look at the payout breakdown it's kind of funny dude like people getting top tens are maybe getting three grand kind of deal like for me an average weekend let's just say 2500 bucks 16th place or so Plus your KTM Kinsey, that's twenty nine hundred, right? Twenty, yeah, twenty five, and then four, twenty nine. So that, then you got your entry fee, so deduct two twenty five. You got your flights, it's probably five hundred bucks. Deduct that. You got your hotels, probably another five hundred bucks. You're looking at that 
$1,500 range. Oh, you got food, everything like that. Definitely in that $1,500 range. Got all your parts. Say you bend something or, I mean, a lot of us at least at this level get majority of parts for free, but race fuel, I'm still paying for, um, a lot of other variables, you know what I mean? Like, boom, you're maybe making a thousand dollars a weekend if you don't have sponsorship or creative ways to get what you're getting done. And that's being a 450 main event dude. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I think people wonder why there's so many Cowie 450s like in the LCQ especially is, uh, so they're obviously paying like quite a bit more when it comes to the contingency side of things. Correct. Yeah. And, and I think Yamaha pays pretty good contingency too, right? I honestly have no idea about that. Like that's even one thing that I've tried exploring because, uh, I know a lot of amateurs, like I remember amateur kids on the East Cowies and some of the KTMs all get double, triple contingency. I tried hitting up KTM, be like, I'm like one of your, the four dudes on a KTM in the main events. Like, can I get some help with like a double contingency or something like that? I never got a response. So yeah, it's a struggle, dude. (laughs) Privateer life, baby. Yeah, dude. You gotta ask. That's one good thing with uh, the world supercross stuff is that like, there's no, I guess it's like good and bad. Like there's no privateers, but basically everyone that's on the line is like getting some form of start money, you know? Where at? At World Supercross. So like, Oh yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's like, it's it's just a different model in a sense. Um, but yeah, like I think, well, I think Phil Nicoletti was breaking down what, what he was making, but I think he was getting like five grand a race to, to show up and race and then all like the bonuses and stuff and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's like a, it's a hard sort of spot because like I said before, I think one of the coolest parts about Supercross is that just like anyone can rock up and, and do it, you know, like it's a, it's that, that in itself, I think it's like, you wouldn't really want that to go away. But then I guess it's like the argument is like, how much should get split down the line because you know without if you don't have privateers rocking up you've got 10 factory dudes so it's like do you want to do i guess the argument then becomes for like the case for the privateers is like all right well do you does supercross look this cool with only 10 dudes you know like when and it's like especially the, the way well ah oh, that's tough because sorry to cut you off but no, no, no. like this year like you're kind of saying with coop like because i listened to the coop podcast like there are so many dudes inside that top 10 that could win. Like it is exciting, but at the same time, 90% of the time you're going to have like Sexton, Tomac, Coop up front. Yeah. You'll have Roxon and Barsha up there a little bit. Other than that, you know, you got like, I mean, AP can be kind of up in there too, but a majority of those guys, you got the top three and then you got a majority of those kind of behind and then they, they kind of just fall into their slot and then they race themselves to an extent. I feel like obviously I haven't watched a whole lot of 450 main events, so I could be completely wrong. But um, yeah, the, uh, some of the excitement does come from back in the pack. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you just like you need you need that 20 guys on the gate looking competitive for the sport, like the optics of the sport, like the TV stuff. It sort of doesn't matter because you just pick the battles that you want to watch like you can only watch like they do a split screen you know it's like two dudes up in the top two dudes down in the bottom so it's like you've got four dudes kind of getting tv time but it's like for the people in the stands like the fan experience like that's what feld is selling essentially is like they're trying to 
well, there's two products, I guess. There's like the video, the TV package, but then there's like the live show. And I think it's like the live show, you need to have like 20 dudes on that track that are like all battling. And that's kind of like the beauty of, of the sport, you know? So it's like, because I guess I can see the argument of, it's like, why pay the dude that gets last in a sense? But then it's, it's kind of not, I guess I'm trying to make the anti point for that is like, all right. So if it's only dudes that get paid far from the factories and like get supported from the race teams, then yeah, you've got 10 dudes that are at the track and it's like, do we want Supercross with 10 dudes or do we want to have a full gate with like really good talent that's going to provide great racing over the entire you know the entire track and then you've got the heat races so you know you need 40 dudes on the track that are getting there every single weekend so i think that it's just like it's an investment that there almost should be like more of an investment at that level to try and like raise the overall level of the sport if that makes sense yeah and that's even one thing because i'm pretty sure if you look at the breakdown right now like i mean i plead it for the big guys too like the the guys that have factory teams that are on the podium now that's the thing that they obviously have contracts better sponsors or like a team behind them that is obviously invested and gets the marking out of it too so then it in return gives them value for their bonuses but like imagine if those guys didn't have bonuses right you have coop coop end up third this weekend yeah so coop, i think Barsha. or no barsha so okay well let's use coop or barsha as an example they're walking away with 4500 bucks yeah for a podium in the 450 class yeah that's insane i think like i don't have anything bad to say about feld obviously i love racing no, i love I, what i, I do and whatnot same, yeah but but like that's for the competition and the amount of champions that are in our class and the amount of competition that is just in there to only walk away for 4500 bucks for a podium is insane but that's obviously why the teams and everything that's why they have bonuses and stuff but that's not something that i have privilege to to an extent we gotta yeah. get the results first and then it'll come though but yeah and i think like the and i'm the same like i I don't have anything against feld like it's my yeah. whole my whole shit runs off talking about supercross you know like i'm yeah, exactly as gra- i'm as grateful uh, as anyone but i think just what it does is it just creates like a weird economy where the teams it's sort of all on the teams to then be the ones that like really foot the bill for like the the riders I d- it just creates like a I guess across the board, it creates like this whole different dynamic, you know, like I think it creates a different dynamic in the sport in terms of like the way that riders can act and the way that riders can talk. Like we don't have the personalities in the sport in the way that you have with like NBA or like, I guess football's maybe like a little bit different, like, but even then, like, there's no like Antonio Browns there's no like Kevin Durant's there's no because the the riders are so bound in by the like the teams that they race for there's like a certain dress code there's a certain like this our sport I think one of the things that is created by the model of you know the teams basically footing the bill is that there's such a formula of what a supercross racer is and it's like there's only a certain it's 
maybe like we've maxed out the appeal in a sense or like we've found the fans that we're gonna find because it's like white like middle class straight edge you know clean cut you're not allowed to sw- like there's just it's there's a there's a really clearly defined box of like what a supercross racer is and i think that that's because there's they've got the corporate companies like ktm and honda and kawasaki and yamaha that they're basically like we're a sport that's full of corporate employees and i think that when you look at other sports like the ufc that's not like that the nba the nfl boxing like that all these huge sports you can't really say that there's like the, the stars of that sport are like essentially just corporate employees yeah and that's the biggest thing when it comes to the riders that i see within our industry within my class right so i think ktm does a pretty good job at least with ap like he's probably like they have to keep him kind of corporate and keep him you know in certain things but like he's i think one of the best personalities in the sport kind of deal and that obviously is shown especially like his whole almost win thing like I that that interview after that like that yeah. touched me like how yeah. he was so emotional and then it it was cool to watch like how he composed himself in the middle and you know we'll put the work boots back on it's kind of like how the AC thing went when he uh wrecked for the championship or whatever like the way that those guys are able to collect themselves but still have a personality there's yeah. not really a whole lot of that within our sport and that's one thing I kind of like within my program like Carnell yeah, yeah, obviously definitely. has his whole deal going on but like we're able to have our own personalities without too much influence if that makes sense it's obviously i'm not doing anything too crazy and whatnot but like you know certain things that like other racers have done corporate companies and corporate people probably wouldn't be super stoked about so but it's nice to have the full freedom yeah well i think uh you know you you've only got to look at like the popularity of stank dog and yeah logan like logan's getting a like a lot of popularity now in, yeah. in what he's doing the whole only thing like it's fucking genius dude and like you think about like buttery's one of the most famous dudes in the sport <laughs> like that <laughs> that's l- legit yeah you know 100 yeah, like, and just like, having a good time he's like a kind of like a rock star dude you know and, and you think about the way that like freestyle and i'm not saying that everyone needs to everyone needs to be like wild and like that's not the deal you know like that's not the personality that like chase doesn't have that personality like you know there's guys that that's just not what they're they're like but i mean you just look at a guy like uh oh you look at a sport like freestyle like freestyle just exploded because of travis pastrana being travis pastrana and Brian Deegan being Brian Deegan and Jeremy Stenberg and that that whole world exploded because of the personalities and like Travis was just not allowed to be that guy in Supercross you know like um, he let he left Supercross like how crazy is that to think that one of the biggest action sports stars of all time was a Supercross rider and just like dipped on the sport and got to just go and be this whole superstar like completely over there like there was obviously something that drew him to those other sports that he couldn't do in this box over here that's probably well that's one of the guys that i think it'd be coolest to meet i've never met travis but like some of the stuff that cool guy (laughs) he what he did and made it work and also with brian deegan and everything like that like 
and sometimes you, you you just can't really conform and if you want to follow your heart kind of deal like that's just where that kind of stuff leads and it's it's inspiring to see it's cool to see and yeah I don't really know besides just it's different sometimes it pays to be different yeah oh man one 100% like we put up a clip the other day uh of me like a bunch of people took it out of context too like I was comparing I was basically saying that like J-Law essentially got like pushed out of the sport you know like between all the fines that he got the sponsors dropping him like that that whole kind of deal I was kind of comparing him to like a Floyd Mayweather or a Mike Tyson where it's like like fuck Mike Tyson went to jail for rape like that's gnarly dude you know like and he was still a guy that came back and was like like he's a, a hero now you know so it's like there were these there's these story arcs like those people were allowed to just like develop and and have like redemption within their sport or you look at like Floyd Mayweather he was so comfortable to just play the heel and like be the bad guy for an entire sport and he ended up making like over a billion dollars out of like people paying to want to see him lose you know like I wouldn't I like we've never even really I think J-Law is probably like the only guy that we've ever had that was like he was able to win championships like he beat Ryan Dungey for a championship he was like beating guys like Villapoto and you know legends of the sport granted there's an element of his own like self-destruction that led to him like kind of not being in the sport but you know like the, he was so pushed out it was like here's a guy that came in fuck shit up ran his own program and it was like it was literally like a fire extinguisher like everybody was like stop 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 like we got it we can't have this at all and it's like i don't know i I think maybe we missed the boat there on a dude that could have because when you've got an anti-hero that means you've got a hero you know like it makes a ryan dungy look that much better or it's like an evander holyfield looks that much better because of uh, a Mike Tyson and that's one of the things I'm like half excited for Hayden I feel like Hayden Deegan could be like the sport's first real heel you know like he could be the guy that act, I think and you sort of saw it with the Jordan Smith thing like I, I loved all that you know like the press conference it was dope that Hunter stuck up for him but it's like he just kind of didn't give a fuck and like you know that you know that there was like brian back at the trailer being like dude don't worry about it like don't say nothing just like laugh it off like he played that whole situation out so so perfectly and it's like i don't know maybe maybe deegan's like the first heel in the sport that like just goes oh you fuck like say what you want i don't care you know (laughs) and then you you'll have people that will love that and you'll have people that will hate that you almost need the the I won't say polar opposites, but you need the some of the drama, right? Like there's a, like the whole Pike and it was Freezy and yeah. that whole situation, dude. Like Feld and whatever they obviously probably were not super stoked on it, even though they used it for all their marketing. But like that kind they of stuff stoked, blows bro. up. Yeah, that stuff blows up, and that's like even <laughs> like they don't want you to fight but at the same time that's the excitement right so when it comes to yeah Deegan's been killing it and everything like that and a little bit of attitude can go two ways you know what I mean and that's where it becomes like you said like you have the hero the anti-hero the the fans the people that 
hate on you, the haters kind of deal that just fuels the fire to an extent because it creates excitement. Unfortunately, you have people that wish you don't do good, but then you have people that are behind you want you to do good kind of deal. Like it's, it's wild to see, but like, do you think that we need more people like that in the support in the sport? Or do you think that that would tarnish things? No, I think, yeah, I think everyone's scared of, of like what it would do for the sport. But I think that the, it's the, the anti-hero makes the hero. And you can see that in, in every single sport, you know, like it just takes a person to be comfortable with it and to know that, know that role and to know that position. Like, dude, it's Brian Deegan, Travis Pastrana that's what that was like you had the clean cut american kid and then you had the the punk metal you know like satanic you know like the fuck it <laughs> it's like and that wasn't brian like he's the nicest dude in the world like he's such a nice guy and it's like but he had that image and he i'm sure he like lived it to an extent as much as like any 20 year old famous dude that's on espn like i'm sure that there was an element of him living it but it's like he understood that people wanted to to see that you know and yeah i think i think that there's one thing that and this isn't a, a negative thing but as far as feld as like the business goes like it's literally disney on ice you know so that's like an old school family i'm sure it's like a very conservative christian family that that is the one that like owns the sport uh but there is a limitation of what kind of show can be produced by that type of business you know like if you look at the ufc you got a president that was like when covid came along he was like i'm not stopping the show i don't give a fuck what you say i don't give a fuck what bad media we get we're gonna go to dubai we're gonna fight on an island like and then you get a guy like conor mcgregor come along that's doing crazy shit like fighting's obviously like a different you're dealing with a different group of people like you're actually dealing with crazy people that like get in and fight each other (laughs) but it's like the model the the model kind of works you know and and you get these dudes like a like a chael sonnen right i don't know if you follow ufc much but a little bit there's a guy chael sonnen like he, he he was just the heel of the sport like he talked so much shit he went after like the the nicest dudes in the sport and you know he was like such a he was like essentially an asshole he was an asshole to fans an asshole to media but he made so much money out of the out of the the fights and the fights that he was in was huge because he was going against like the nice guys and it's i think it's that juxtaposition of yeah hero and and anti-hero and yeah i think Coop's probably the closest thing. Like, I think that Coop is probably the closest guy that we've had to just, like, kind of... Because I guess everyone wants to be loved, right? And it's like, you can try and... There's a there's a thing that you can... Well, the way to be loved by everyone is to try and, like, please everybody, you know? And I think that Coop's maybe one of the guys that he doesn't really care to be loved by everybody so he's not really like he's just it's all like a business decision for him um so yeah i just think that i think that the sport would do better with 
guys that were a little bit more comfortable playing like a, a certain character stepping outside that box a little bit and I don't know maybe like playing to that entertainment factor a little bit more than we do you know but it's like what chase said it's like do we want to be a sport or a show so it's like i guess that's up to the athlete to decide oh that's tough that's a tough question Mm. i feel like you need a little bit of both like i mean look at how many people i think look at how many people probably enjoy watching like i i just use ap because he's an easy example but like how many people probably watch motocross just because they love that dude you know what i mean like the the personality behind it the bickering you know the the rivalries that these guys have like that's what creates fan engagement creates conversation creates yeah engagement and all to be honest Mm. so but like just something i was just kind of thinking about like what do you think it was like in the rig after the deegan uh jordan like i would love to be a fly on the wall when that happened like what do you think went down or do you have any insight Nah, I wish I wish I knew. I spoke to Brian after it, because uh, like my uh, my personal take, like I don't think that there was anything wrong with like I think Jordan made some big mistakes in that in that uh, altercation. I guess you could call it like because you know right. So like that whoops, you raced that track. That whoop section when you've got a not flat ninety degree right hand turn after a whoop section and you're on the right hand side of that if you get like one little like an extra kick off that last whoop or that second last whoop with your rear tire the difference of like where you can actually stop your bike by like the tiniest difference in kick is probably like five meters just because you've only got a front tire it's turning right your rear wheel's not on the ground like there's only a certain level that you can squeeze that front brake without tucking the front so it's like for me to i guess that whole incident is based on like did hayden actually run him high and it's like after a whoop section like that on that particular turn i just don't even know that you could make the case that that Deegan would have actually had intention to run him high. Like, am I right in saying like how hard it is to get stopped for a turn like that after that kind of section? hundred percent. And I don't think there was anything wrong with the initial pass. I didn't even know like that's kind of where it started for me. I thought it kind of started in the next corner because yeah, like he had the position, obviously he knew Jordan was trying to come around the outside, but if he had the inside lane, whether he had Jordan there or not, everybody watched the races everybody went through the whoops and banked off the the outside 100 percent, because that's all that was there yeah like that's so that move that was just racing he's trying to stay in the lead jordan came around it is what it is kind of deal but yeah then it came to the next corner where like he went high the d like trying to play the little bit of the games and whatnot and i don't know i don't want to say too much on it because i don't have a problem with either of them but in Obviously, it wasn't good between teammates, especially because Homie was in championship contention to an extent. Uh, but but that's where I I'm think sure Jordan. Sorry, you finished. Actually, no, you finished. I said I'm sure that Jordan. He had every right to be pissed about the situation because there's a little bit too much, but on both ends. But at the same time, I think Jordan was probably kicking himself in the butt because he was faster than him. He could have passed him in the whoops the next lap, kind of deal. Just got a little bit closer. I think he tried. He got a little bit irritated with the situation. Tried forcing the issue in not probably the best corner instead of like trying to set him up in a 180 to cut him off 
So he, I think he just got, he got excited, and that's just shit. Shit happened, kind of deal. Well, I think that I think that it come down to, and this is just me fully guessing the situation, but it come down to this whole. Oh, I think that Jordan. That it seemed like he just took offense to getting run high after the whoops. And then Hayden basically, from how it looked to me, is like he goes to the inside in that next turn. And it's almost like he's just waiting for Jordan to sort of like make the pass, you know, or like just to keep going around the inside. And then he he cuts down early off that almost like into Hayden. And then it, it sort of, it seemed like it shouldn't have gone on past that second turn. And then they like get in, he like turns into, well, actually after the whoops, that's when Jordan comes across like kind of into him like he fades to the inside of the track and then so that's why I think you saw Hayden like stay to the inside so then he fades to the inside goes up in the berm and then cuts down it was like that whole that turn for me I'm like that's where shit got weird I'm like what are you even doing like why can't come into him after and then go to the outside so but I guess the ultimate takeaway is like no matter what the situation is is like you had a chance to just like fully take the high road and like be the experienced guy in that truck and then after the race you go like dude what are you doing we're in a heat like let hayden win the heat race get the second gate pick for the main and then go back to the truck and be like hey dude like what are we doing that's a heat race like i get it after the week but like we don't need to do that shit but instead of taking the high road and being the experienced guy and then like dealing with it after the the situation you just everything got left on the track and then i just think that you gave you gave hayden like i don't know it was just such like a big dick energy moment that will probably <laughs> stick with him for the rest of his career you know like that's probably like it almost felt like a bit of a changing of the guard in a sense of like hayden I don't know like it was it seemed like a level up moment for him and like a level down moment for Jordan even in like their own personal pecking order where I feel like if Jordan just lets him win that heat and then walks off and like little bros him kind of thing at the end of the race and like what are you doing there little brother like that's you know that's kind of silly and and I look back to the conversation that I had with Colt and Jet where like Jet was getting into Colt at one of the races when Colt won the championship and instead of Colt like getting involved in that he just let him do his thing and then after the race he sat down next to him put his arm around him there's like the famous photo of those two talking it was like they'd never even spoken to that point and then he won Jet over so much that Jet stayed out of his way for the rest of that championship and and Colt went on to win the title you know so like I just think that was like such a crazy lost opportunity for Jordan to like be the old head and like almost young buck uh, Hayden, but it just fully flipped. And I just don't think you'll ever see Hayden concede to him now, you know, but to, to the, the point is like, there was a fucking 30 minute racer X video of, of guys talking about like breaking down that whole situation. It was everywhere. Everyone comment hey job done like that is that is brilliant from from Hayden's perspective and the the eyeballs that that got and the attention that that got and the opinion and there might be it might be 50 50 of people that thought he was shit or thought he was awesome in that it created a bunch of like it moved it literally moved the needle 
of the sport and that's a win yeah and that because i've even had a little bit different thoughts about it since it happened so i think time has a big difference too like i'm sure as soon as they came off he was hot-headed like i'm sure that just happened because like when i saw it i thought i'm looking back on it now like i just said i think like obviously jordan probably could handle a little bit better situation obviously you're racing like hunter said dude we're making you know yeah millisecond decisions so like i'm sure that he's mature enough to be like nah i probably should have done that differently but he didn't because when i first initially watched it i was like hayden what are you doing there you know what i mean like afterwards i mean he could have probably been a little bit more respectful in the interview i'm sure jordan definitely didn't like that but at the same time like you said it's kind of that big dick energy kind of deal uh but it kind of changed for me the first hit after the whoops came in right after that corner but that was just the way that the track went kind of changed for me when like instead of just like racing the corner Deegan like paused to look to then try to play that game like it gave me the same thought process that like my brother and I do like we had a little turn track and a little pit bike track yeah, back yeah, the, yeah. The, the, and we would, we would literally play the cutoff game like where you would expect or at least kind of expect to be cut off every corner like that's honestly where I got kind of my like race craft and my cut down and my arena crossy kind of vibe it's because Colton and I like we would just mess around as brothers just going around playing a cutoff game and like you would look back and you'd size it up stomp on the brakes cut down like stuff like that and like that kind of gave me a little bit of those vibes so I was like is he just like trying to like make sure that he hits him kind of deal like that's when it was like threw me off then obviously hit him in the next corner I was like whoa this is not gonna go good and then it all just went south so I mean I don't know I mean I think each of them I mean what's done is done that's yeah. the biggest thing that I even say, even in the situations that I've been in, obviously a little bit of the drama that we had this past weekend, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, what what has happened has happened. We do make decisions and very, very, very quickly. And yes, we may not agree with some of our decisions, but they've already happened. Yeah. So talk us through the, what went on for you this weekend then. <laughs> oh boy. Alrighty. So we'll explain a little bit of a situation. So I'll start off by saying, yes, I know I'm not those guys speed, right? Not yet. I'll be man enough to say that. I think everybody else understands that. However, goal is to get there. You're not going to get there unless you're trying to get there to an extent. Obviously, with the Tank Masters bonuses in place, I had two terrible starts. at The the first one, I got a really good jump, but wheelied immediately, clutched, game over. Second one, first time I've done this in years, I shifted neutral as soon as I went out of the gate, so I was dead last. So the third one, finally got the jump that I needed. I didn't have anybody to my left. Then I had AP. So it was an empty gate AP. And I knew that obviously with what I've done in the past, I literally just proved it last weekend. Like I was, I'm capable of getting a whole shot, even not having the best gate. So there's a few variables here. And the biggest one is as soon as I took off, my focus went to AP because AP has the inside on me. You can even watch the video. We take off pretty even jump. I'm focusing on him. And I know that obviously I'm not really paying attention to what I got on beside me because I don't have like anybody a bike length ahead of me. I got some people close. So I was fully focused on out driving AP because I've done come into corners super fast. I can track the first corner really well, corner really well. So I knew as long as I could get the jump, even jump, he started outpowering a little bit, but I I had a little bit better angle because he was even farther inside than me. So if I held it on just a little bit longer than him, as soon as he shut off, I was going to go a little bit longer and then shut off. So I had the position on him. So then that puts me on the inside. That gives me the power. Like I said, from the Seattle hole shot, like if you're on the inside, you have a little bit more of the power. 
However, as soon as I looked up after AP shut down, I'm like, oh, shit. I'm coming in Mach 10. And, for instance, I kind of only see Sexton. Because you got to imagine, like, just like Hunter said, like we're making decisions at point whatever seconds. And that's, that, that was a 1v1. Tack on 20 more variables in one corner and probably mm. twice the speed than we're ever going on a real super, like the re- regular racing. Dude, you're I'm like, I didn't have a whole lot of time to make decisions. So then I saw Sexton coming down and then all of a sudden Tomac comes from the outside that I didn't see originally. And I was already obviously cooking. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be that guy. Like I'm about to destroy all these guys. Like I wasn't expecting that because my focus was on AP. I outdrove AP, objective complete. Look up a little bit more because my focus was on the inside. I knew it wasn't going to go good. So I, as you can see in the video, yeah, I was I was kind of even with with uh, Sexton. Obviously, he was a touch in front of me, but again, I had the inside position. But they cut down hard. I wasn't expecting them to cut down that hard. I was expecting them to go wide in the corner, to be honest, like to drive in harder. But they checked up. They had a pretty good jump and drive, obviously. So they cut down. Sexton, I kind of like we're pretty even. But then, yeah, I just I saw Tomac cut across even harder and he had the whole like he had the position on me like there's no way I had the inside I couldn't push him out so but I didn't want to t-bone him I didn't want to take any of these dudes out like I'm not here to try to destroy a championship but I'm here to send it as well like you know what I mean like I'm I'm here to be in the game I'm not just going to concede because they're factory dudes like that's what I've been told my whole career I did that a lot the last two years and got yelled again and again and again by team and people and family and whatnot like dude like if you want to be one of those guys you have to believe that you're one of those guys and yeah, not the speed on the track yet, but sure as shit off the start is game on kind of yeah. deal. So a yeah. little bit of a mistake. I'll be the one to say a little bit of a mistake. So I just, I tried to grab the brake, but Sexton pushed me in so tight that went into the tough blocks and the, they had the tough blocks built up on like dirt. So then I hit that loose dirt and had no brakes more or less. Like there's no braking power because it was just silty. Like there's no traction. So I just tried knifing as much as I could because I didn't want to obviously just run right into them. And then, yeah, just knifed. It gave me a little good good twirl. And, like, as soon as I went the opposite way, I was lost. Like, it happened so fast. I was, like, floating in air. And I was, like, I'm going to get drilled. Like, I was just waiting to get just demolished by the whole crowd. And, boom, smatted on the ground. Nobody was around me. Nobody else went down. I'm, like, thank goodness, Kevin, you're not the most hated man in Supercross right now because that wouldn't have been good. I'll be the first one to say a little too much. But at the same time, it was a mistake. But at the same time... I was going for it. I had my focus on the inside. I completed that objective. They just came in and, and pinched down harder than I was expecting, straight up. So racing incident, not intentional. There's a lot of people, you know, shouting, you know, the, the keyboard warriors and whatnot. It was actually kind of funny because like 90, not 90, 70% of them kind of had my back on the situation, which was funny. Like, dude, privateer life, he's going for the tank masters. Everybody knows tank masters because that that whole shot bonus. So like... Dude, we're here to play the game. I'm not going to get any better by, you know, conceding to these guys. So we're here to push it. We're here to keep getting better, to keep trying to prove ourselves to, you know, hopefully get an opportunity. At the same time, I don't want to do it at the extent of taking away a championship from anybody. Obviously, I'm smarter than that, but it's a racing incident. Yeah, it's such a fine balance that you've got to walk to because it's like you've proved to yourself that you can get really good starts and you can hold shot. And that's what it takes to then get the eyeballs that's what it takes to get the experience and you know there's a process that you've got to go through but then at the same time like you've just got to be so careful 
of the guys that you know like they're in this championship fight and it's like there's one way to never get on a team and that's to cost a dude a championship (laughs) (laughs) indeed but at the same time like you know if if things would have went worse say somebody went down like dude what happened happened i couldn't change it i can't change it even now like that's the the whole adapt and overcome situation like yeah dude i would have been i would be hated thoroughly by a lot of people but i'm a racer i'm not there to just watch those guys i'm i yes i'm not in a championship battle but i'm in a championship points battle with all the other dudes that are from 15 to 20 right now uh we're trying to battle to be in that top 20 in points there's a bonus behind that also advanceability to go or to be able to advance into the super motocross rounds like there's and obviously the opportunity what i have sponsors paying me for is exposure you know my results i have personal goals like yeah we're i'm there to do the same thing that they're there to do obviously not gonna win yet but like i have goals that i'm trying to achieve that includes getting starts getting up front getting more experience so then when i am presented an opportunity and say i'm even on a better equipment and can get starts even easier dude, i don't want to be sitting there without any experience and just being scared like i'm there to play the game yeah no 100 percent. so what are your goals going forwards then like to close out the rest of this supercross season so it's getting pretty tight right now obviously the goal i mean i'd love to race the pulvamex lcq challenge obviously being one of the better known like privateer what, what is hustlers what, so, is, what is that deal oh so you don't know so that's that's what i was talking about how i paid for my track last year so uh pulp max or whatever they do a bike raffle all year long so it's like i don't know yep. what it is 10 to 30 dollars for a ticket or whatever he bundles that all up throughout the whole entire supercross season getting people to join in and do that then he takes the all the proceeds and puts it up for an lcq race That's so sick. an lcq race is for all the privateers and the way that works at least last year is it's top 17 in points based off of lcqs max points is fifth in the lcq so it's everybody who barely misses the main events so that's why i was in it last year is because i was in a lot of else i was on all all the lcqs besides two and you know i made nine main events but all the other main events i was fifth or sixth or seventh like i was right there the whole time this year obviously is a little bit different i'm actually in the mains the majority of the time Um, i've only missed two so far and uh so yeah i don't have enough points to get in it but long story short he bundles all that money and that becomes the purse for those 17 riders that get in via points and then he takes five wild cards so like five people that he wants to see race or that you know have something to do with it so maybe i can get myself a wild card invite but hopefully goal is to uh make the rest of the main events and finish top 20 in points uh it would be nice to get i want to really get another top 15 a couple top 15s would be nice um to solidify that obviously i got 14th early in the season uh but yeah man it's just points consistency top 20 in cha- uh, championship so then i get that bonus because there's a ten thousand dollar bonus just for 20th in the championship kind of deal and it goes a thousand dollars up every cent every one that or every position after that so like 21st you ain't getting nothing 20th you're getting 10 grand like that's a big difference at least for a privateer that's a it's a sixth of a van kind of deal you know what i mean that's where my head is right now is how much yeah, do i need to yeah. get to get me a new van kind of deal so i don't know that's kind of the goals and then obviously just trying to put myself in similar positions to seattle where i can get out front or at least get up up front early and just continue to try to run that pace for longer obviously i'm not going to probably finish there yet but the longer i can keep putting myself in those positions and running there longer and longer and longer getting there more comfortable more comfortable more comfortable 
when I get that opportunity, I'm going to be in a lot better headspace, mental space and prepared for it. Yeah. How much did you win last year with the pulp thing? Uh, so it was like, right. It was under, it was right, right around 20 grand. That's so good. So I got second in it because, uh, so they, he, some of his wild cards were like Chiz and Ryan Brees. And those are two really solid dudes. So I jumped out first. So there was a whole shot bonus, a thousand dollar whole shot bonus. Your boy got that. So I was <laughs> stoked about that. Uh, Christian Craig put up a thousand dollars to first to the finish line. So I got that too. Led. Oh, probably until the last three laps. So I led the whole thing. Like I saw whatever the, the champion, the, to win is like 25 grand on the pit board. I'm like, what? Uh, see, that was kind of wild. Uh, but Chiz, which was on a factory team earlier in the season, so that kind of bit me out of shape. I obviously love the dude now, race him all the time. But uh, he caught me, passed me in the whoops, and then Ryan Brees passed me in the whoops uh, with two laps to go. Coming up to the the, the checkered flag, Ryan Brees, because uh, like, it was whoops, night, uh, left 90, finish line. He skipped the second to last whoop on the last lap with the corner right there and got off balance and I snuck inside of him for a second. So that was sick. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting just under 20 and literally took that entire check and then did uh, track build part one, which you can watch on YouTube. And then later that year, hired Dirtworks to come out, rented all the equipment and got a Supercross track built at my house and it cost every bit of that 20 plus a little bit more. That's so sick. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I knew that he did that race, but yeah, that's pretty cool that it's worth that much cash. That's pretty fucking yeah. rad. Yeah, it was it was definitely the most I've ever made from one race. So I was stoked with it. And then that's why I was like, dude, like give me that that wild card, you know? I'm I'm trying to pay for a van this year, so <laughs> so we'll see what we can work out. Nah, that's awesome, man. No, I think it's um yeah, I think it's just cool, dude. Like I think it's cool to be in the position um that you're in, you know, like and I think this this whole chat has just shown like a pretty cool spirit on your end both in like business and then and then on the track and um yeah i think that regardless what happens in the future with getting a ride and whatever like you're doing a really legitimate business degree right now uh and you're doing you're doing a business degree you're doing a sports science degree you're doing a you know <laughs> pt degree so it's like there's so much like learning and investing in yourself um that you're doing right now and i think that you know it's something that i feel like i always preach on here as much as like as much as i don't really think i know that much shit like i definitely try and encourage people to really invest in themselves and to really you know better themselves every day and there's like a there's a level of fulfillment in that that sort of makes it so you don't even have to worry about the end result you know and i think that you're a dude that's really walking that walk and it's uh it's super cool to see bro thank you no i really appreciate it i, I love that saying i'm gonna butcher it because i didn't think about it just till now but uh it's that somebody that enjoys the journey is going to go a lot farther than somebody that is looking for the destination kind of deal or enjoys the destination so like yeah. just enjoying the journey it's probably the biggest thing i can tell you know kids coming up and whatnot is you know trying to follow your heart not just focusing on that factory ride that paycheck and everything like that like if it's something that you really enjoy doing do it for the fun of it and if the results and the the blingy stuff come with it cool but if that's that's your main focus then it's it's going to get tough quick yeah man and there's there's definitely like yeah you're so young too you know like I think about 
just where you'll be in five years regardless of like it doesn't it doesn't matter what even if your results don't get any better which like they they will like they can't not get better over that period of time but like just think about if you do this same level of grind into your program and into giving sponsors back and into the patreon and like five more years of that and still getting top 15 in 450 supercross like it's gonna be dialed dude you know like year on year on year you build and build and build and it was like uh you know what you said about the track and the shop and the toolbox like every year you just get a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and it's like even if the results don't get that much better even if the teams don't come knocking like dude in five years time you'll be like you'll be really set up and there'll be a crazy level of skill and knowledge that that you've acquired for whatever that you decide to do in the future yeah that's what's exciting is knowing that you know i don't really have to stress about what i'm going to do in the future because i do have opportunities and i do have different things kind of that i want to get into like obviously like right now the next kind of step for me on top of the van and the you know the other stuff that i want to use later in life is i like chris which is the guy that takes me up to the line is pretty much funded through real estate so like his real estate deals and whatnot pays for his lifestyle which i think is super sick so like that's what i want to get into eventually is starting to get rental houses and flipping houses because i through covid when we were just locked in our houses pretty much um we went in and did two massive projects at the house like we did built a 50 by 20 deck uh, we built a whole shop pole barn gravel concrete the whole works kind of deal like and i just did that with my dad and my brother kind of deal like i have a lot of i really just like doing projects and flipping stuff and like kind of like for an instance like that would be me working for myself as well like mm that uh you know long term is kind of where the head's at but for now man we're having fun we're racing we're getting better we're starting to open some eyes finally um you know we want to do it under the right circumstances obviously um but yeah just having fun man that's the biggest thing having fun yeah and i think it's just a really cool it's a really cool message that you're sending to to the next generation or like guys that might be coming out of amateurs right now that you know there's just so few spots on a factory team and it's like you're kind of creating you and and some other guys are creating like a really legitimate roadmap where it's like you can be self-funded you can really enjoy racing you can get good results and you know it's you don't have to waste all the years of amateur riding just because you didn't get the factory ride that you you know that you hoped for and that's the biggest thing coming into pros right because through the amateurs man going to loretta's for eight, the eight times seven eight times that i did and just constantly being overlooked and not getting that factory ride like it got super i mean not depressing by any means but it's just like bro like does it even matter to go to loretta's if i've just continued to get nothing you know what i mean yeah. obviously it wasn't winning championships so like that's a way to do it you know go there win a couple championships it's gonna change change some stuff but uh yeah having the road that i had but like just the background that i had the way i grew up you know not being homeschooled getting i think that's helped me honestly a lot like i don't i you can get homeschooled in the right ways but that's one thing i leverage with all of my sponsors is my ability to talk in front of a camera like you know i love our sport love our sport to death love all the riders love everybody i race against it's not so much them that i'm talking about but a lot of people in our industry can't hold a conversation can't talk to a sponsor correctly can't 
yeah. look somebody in their eyes and shake their hand and just be real with somebody because they don't have the experience to an extent. I don't want to say like school gives you all those experiences, but you know, definitely teamwork, helps. you know, it's, it gives me more of a social feel. I can read a room. I can do, you know what I mean? So I exploit that to help me in my racing that like, dude, I would never take the full free ride right off the rip. Like I wouldn't be who I am today without the background that I had. So, and I wouldn't change it for anything. No, nah, it's super cool, man. Well, uh, I guess let's give a final shout out to all your sponsors, all the ways that people can support the program, like just fully get the get the pitch going just to make it worthwhile for everyone that uh, that you're on here. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing for me, um, dang, I just totally deleted everything that I needed to go. But anyway, oh, I'll just go, go, go from the heart, right? So the biggest thing is getting involved with the program. That'd be the coolest thing, obviously. You know, Morans.80 on Instagram. Go show some love. The YouTube is obviously, we do vlogs from every week. Uh, there's some exciting ones. We've got the uh, the newest ones coming out. So just tune in on that. KevinMorans.com for the new merch to join the Morans Mafia, all that kind of stuff. You can find all the information on how to get involved with my program at KevinMorans.com. So that, that's merch, becoming a sponsor, joining the Morans Mafia, helmet wraps, brand uh, bike branding, etc. Everything's KevinBrands.com. Um, that being said, I do have a lot of great partners behind me. Obviously, the whole Next Level Racing team, Tank Masters, which has been a big part of the program, title sponsor, Redline, Canvas, which is a new gear company that we're with, which is super awesome as well. Uh, very customized gear. Everything's sublimated, so it's super sick. Um, Gree, which is obviously the air conditioning company I talked to you guys about very beneficial to have them on board so if you guys need any air conditioning look at them because uh, they'll you know air conditioning and heat in kansas like that's everything it's super hot in the uh uh summer super cold in the winter with no yeah. snow so it's no fun at all uh <laughs> but so like they heat the shop and everything like that so i'm able to work out do my bike work stuff like that champion tools bare materials letco evc brakes you know there's a lot of great people behind me insignia with the merch and everything so you know oakley there's there's so many bike graphics like i can go on and on and on but the biggest thing is just uh being real having fun enjoying the fan interaction i love the fan support the fans obviously support me getting to the races so if you join the Marans mafia we have a bunch of different cool giveaways oakley goggles every single weekend sign to charities number plate every single weekend we do other exclusive giveaways exclusive content so join the Marans mafia get your name on the bike and just help the program Oh, that's awesome dude well i appreciate you coming in and uh and making it making it happen man and uh yeah it's been really cool to hear about the journey and the and the process and yeah i, I definitely think that you've got some really cool years um coming coming up ahead and i think that you know beyond racing as well like there's a ton of different stuff that that you'll be able to do so yeah it's it's cool to see man it's it's cool to to see a guy like you um in the industry and and thriving you know like there's a lot of people talk about how hard it is to make the privateer stuff work when obviously it is um but you're one of the few guys that's like really making it work and and having a lot of fun doing it so oh yeah appreciate you bro no i appreciate you too thank you guys uh thank you for everything for real we'll keep it going dope all right bro we'll wrap it up there cheers man solid that's awesome i love it that was fun eh? (laughs) Yeah, dude, I I can bullshit fucking forever.